Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show, bringing you inside rumors and transactions around the league with your hosts, Keith Smith and Trevor Lane. Brought to you by LakersNation.com and CLNS Media. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the NBA Front Office Mega Show. We are getting ready for Thanksgiving, heading into the holiday weekend, and we're going to break down all of the moves for what's been a crazy NBA offseason. That means that this is going to be a marathon show. I've got my water. I'm going to stay hydrated. I'm ready for this one. We're going to dig into all 30 teams, break down all the moves, and talk about all the fallout. It is going to be a blast. Thank you for joining us. Those of you who are coming in live from YouTube, from Facebook, from Periscope, if you're listening to the podcast version of this, you're finding us on Apple Podcasts, you're finding us on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to give us that five-star rating over on Apple Podcasts and toss us a review as well. Ask us some questions in, in there, and we may address them on air. Those of you who are live right now on YouTube, Facebook, and Periscope, if you guys toss in questions, we may address some of those too, so keep firing those off. I'm Trevor Lane. He's Keith Smith. As always, this is the NBA Front Office Show. Keith, how are you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm not looking at the camera because I'm trying to type, but but I'm good. I promise. I'm here. I'm locked in. I am ready to go. Let's do it. But before we dive into everything real quick, we need to do a shout out to our sponsor for today, and that is Theragun. Theragun is absolutely instrumental because the stress of daily life weighs on us all, whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day, muscle pain and muscle tension is a real thing. That's why you use Theragun. It's a handheld percussive percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush, which is absolutely incredible. That's because the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has proprietary brushless motor that is so quiet, you will often wonder if it's on while you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. And you can try Theragun for 30 days. No substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need. Starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com office right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash office, theragun.com slash office. Trevor, let me tell you something, man. I've been sitting here Uh at this computer for so many hours over the past, let's call it a week now, leading up to the draft. And then with everything, my my shoulders and neck got super ridiculously tight. So I went and used that discount code and ordered myself a Theragun <laughs> to help help, uh, help help me out here. So hopefully it'll be here soon. Um, you know, yeah, well, waiting on it to arrive so I can get going. Well, that is absolutely going to, to help you out. The Theragun is wonderful. Let me tell you about that. So Keith, before we, a couple of weeks ago, I heard the term, you threw this out there. You said, I think you heard it from an exec talking about how crazy this NBA offseason was going to (laughs) be and how it was going to be occupying us even during Thanksgiving. You said it's going to be turkey and trades. Are you still feeling that way? Are you ready for a Thanksgiving that is kind of one eye on the turkey and the other eye on, well, Woj bombs? I, yeah, I think we got the, um, 
the deal's done. I think, you know, teams worked really quickly. Now I'm getting the sense that tomorrow on the Thanksgiving holiday, you'll be able to sit down and eat your meal and, and enjoy it or uh, hopefully run off and listen to this show again if you're or live for the first time. If you haven't listened to it yet, um, go go listen to it that way as you're hiding from the family there. But, yeah, I do think things have settled down a little bit. And now we're going to be, be into a much more relaxed, um, basic uh, Thanksgiving holiday. Now that I said that, though, <laughs> Something's just gonna as you're di- putting that first forkful, we're going to get a Woj bomb, and it's going to be something we all have to run off. James and Harden trade. That's 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 what's yeah, going right? to be. Right? That's good. That's going to happen <laughs> yeah, on Thanksgiving, maybe. just to torment us. But yeah, that's uh, th- and that's why we're doing the show right now because it feels like the dust is kind of starting to settle. There's still some moves out there to be made, but the dust has started to settle a little bit. So that means that you can listen to the show while you're driving wherever on Thanksgiving, or if you're, you're, you're enjoying that quarantine life at, at home, you can, uh, you know, snuggle up by the fire and watch the YouTube version of, of this video as we enjoy the holiday together. Um, Keith, before we dive into everything, let's start with this classic Thanksgiving question out of the traditional Thanksgiving meal, right? What, what is your favorite part of that? The stuffing. I love stuffing, man. I'm a big bread guy, as if you can't tell. Um, but yeah, I love stuffing. For me, it's got to be the pumpkin pie. It's all like turkey. It's, oh. it's okay. It gets a little bland and all that kind of stuff. The stuffing is good. But if for me, it's all about the pumpkin pie. So I can't wait for that. Hey, if you had to pick one Thanksgiving meal item and use that to compare it to what these NBA offseason was, what do you think that would be? Like, if you were to pick one, just to, to Thanksgiving eyes this NBA offseason, what would it be? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat a little bit. I hope, I hope that's okay. I, think I so. like when you're down down to like the last few bites of everything, and it's just kind of a mess on the plate, mm-hmm. and you're you're shoveling it all in in one big bite. That's what I think we're down to. I think we're down to the mess. It, this offseason was a mess. It, you know, so much happened. It's all over the place. But you know what? But in the end, it's all good. So so that's what I'm going to say. It's that mess at the end of your your play where you're just kind of a little bit of turkey left, a little bit of stuffing, a little mashed potato, corn. You're taking it all in in a, you know, a couple of bites, and, and that's what it is. And I feel like that's what this offseason was. I like it. I like it. I like it. You got everything all in that one bite all put together. I'm going to say this. So yeah, I'm man. not the biggest fan of the traditional Thanksgiving meal. Right? Thanksgiving to me is always kind of like, it's like the undercard. I'm always just kind of excited to get through Thanksgiving so we can start the main event. That's Christmas. My family's always been a big Christmas family, you know. So I've always looked forward to that part of it and not so much the Thanksgiving meal itself. But I'll tell you what, my favorite Thanksgiving meal ever was when I didn't do a Thanksgiving meal at all. We made carne asada tacos for Thanksgiving. I saw you say that the other day. Oh, it was fantastic. I loved it getting to do something non-traditional like that. And so I'm going to say that this year's NBA offseason has been those carne asada tacos because I put a little bit of spice on them, just a little bit. But then when I bit in, I realized I put a lot more, which I like spicy things. <laughs> this, it, it, I thought it wasn't going to be that spicy, but it turned out it was pretty spicy. And that's what I thought heading into this NBA offseason. I thought it was going to be rather bland. As it turns out, there was a lot of spice. 
I love it, man. That, that is great. My, my, uh, we'll get to basketball in a minute here. I promise. Um, but my all time favorite Thanksgiving was when I was an intern at Disney. Um, we all had to work on Thanksgiving day. Cause that's just, you know, the rule at Disney is mm-hmm. you work when everybody else plays. And what we ended up doing was we did Thanksgiving dinner at two o'clock in the morning. Uh, that night we, we all got together. It's when everybody was finally home from their work shifts and stuff. That was my absolute most favorite uh thanksgiving that that i've ever had um you know with with all those friends eating at two in the morning just having a bunch of laughs it was a good time that does sound like a good time a, a disney thanksgiving is unlike any other that's it all right yeah, something like that <laughs> so what we're gonna do today we are going to go through every single nba team all 30 teams all 30 teams and by the way my my in-laws just got here just walked in just just now so we're going to go through all of this. And you guys know that I'm so taking time away from my family. So we're going to take as long as this goes. <laughs> there, there take Trevor is. away from his in-laws as possible. There, there it is. There it is, Keith. I, I, Deep I didn't dives say on the two-way players. <laughs> I didn't say Hey, I'm getting comments in here, Keith, saying the same thing I did. They love the Sonic shirt. That is a nice Sonic one. Sonic shirt, right? You got it, right? That's it, man. Everybody loves the Sonics. Who doesn't want the Sonics back? So let's uh, let's go through every single team. We're going to kick it off. We're going to go by conference, and we'll go alphabetical within those conferences. Keith has put together this handy-dandy list of all these teams, this, uh, this sheet of every single team, who's coming in, who's going out, uh, all the moves that they've made. So we're going to go alphabetical here, starting with the Dallas Mavericks. Let's go check it out in Texas. Keith, what did you think about the Dallas Mavericks offseason? Sorry, I'm giving a shout out to the chat real quick. Um, yeah, I am. A, I, I'm a fan of what they did. Mm-hmm. I think I'm more of a fan of what they did um, going into next off season now than, than than anything really for this season. I think Josh Richardson's going to help them quite a bit. They yeah. needed another ball handler playmaker alongside Luca. So, so much rested on Luca last year to create almost everything offensively. Now with Josh Richardson, he can really help this, this team out. So, so I like that. I like that. They, um, cleared out some salary long-term. They got DeLon Wright's uh, contract off the books. Um, I like DeLon Wright. I just didn't like him on this team. I think they had a lot of other guards who were better, especially now with Richardson in there. So I think, they they'll be good again. We still don't know when Chris Tapps Porzingis is going to play right. this year. We're still waiting on that word um, for, from him. But yeah, I I like um, the way they are set up. I'd like to see him get another shooter because um, they clearly lost one of the best in the league in Seth Curry. Um, but I th- think they're okay. And I like Josh Green as a draft pick. Um, he he's interesting. We will say too, we are going to do a draft uh, special mm-hmm. show at some point. Um, it's just with everything came so fast and furious, we didn't have a chance to get that in. But we're going to get our buddy Spencer Perlman, who's one of the best people on the draft out there, to come in and really talk about all of these prospects of all 60 guys and really get into it deep. But um, back to what we're focused on here. And I think James Johnson can help this team, too, because you know what James Johnson is? Uh, Luca drives and Marcus Morris hog ties him and throws him to the floor. James Johnson is going to pop Marcus Morris. It's just not going to be allowed to happen again. So I think James Johnson kind of helps in that respect too. So yeah, I like what they did. Bringing back Willie Cauley Stein, Trey Burke, who played pretty good. I think Dallas is they're they're at least as good as they were last year. Mm -hmm. They might be a little bit better, even if they're a little bit different. We heard Dallas in the mix for a number of players, Serge Ibaka. You know, they were they were right there. They were that team that was like right there 
and just missed out yeah. on a lot of deals. I think that they are they are still, I think, one piece away from being a very, very good team in the Western Conference. Sure. Of course, Luka just may be so good that it doesn't matter because he's yeah. incredible. But they need to get Kristaps back. They need to get him healthy. I can say from from a team from seeing the Lakers play this team a number of times. Uh, this was a squad that badly, badly, badly needed a wing defender, somebody who can defend. Kawhi, LeBron, uh, Paul George. Not that you're stopping those guys, but just to have somebody similar in size to put on them. Somebody who can actually defend on the wing. They didn't have that. And so those players just feasted against the Mavs every single time they played. So I thought the move to get Josh Richardson was a good step towards towards shoring that up. And I mean, look, the future is bright in Dallas. I think somebody's going to take their money at some point. They're going to get one of these pieces, but it just the big move just didn't happen for them this offseason. Yeah, and I think that's fine. I think they are now focused on that big move being next year. And if Giannis doesn't sign that Supermax, Dallas is right in the mix um, for him. And they might they might even be at the top of that list mm-hmm. with, you know, Luca and KP. That's that's hard to beat that package. I just don't know, um, you know. If they, you can really read that very easily. So I, I like that. I think, um, you know, I, I think that they're they're in pretty good shape um, with what they've got now. Boy, they are really set up well for the future. They absolutely are. All right, let's talk Denver Nuggets. The first big surprise, really, team here, the Denver Nuggets. I was not anticipating Jeremy Grant to walk out the door, but here we go. They lost him, did replace him with Jamichael Green, which I thought was a nice move, but I am still shocked that Jeremy Grant is no longer a Denver Nugget. Yeah, all the reporting is he was offered the exact same contract as the uh, Detroit Pistons gave him, but he wanted a bigger role. And and you kind of get that from Jeremy Grant's side, I guess. Um, You know, he's been kind of always the, you know, third, fourth, fifth guy on a roster. I think, you know, he in Detroit now, he's got a chance to be, you know, maybe number two or number three, uh, depending on how the rest of that team shakes out. They're still, uh, you know, clearly wheeling and dealing over there. Um, but yeah, I, I get it from his point of view. But yeah, certainly weakens the Nuggets. Also lost Tory Craig and Mason Plumley, a couple key rotation players. I think they're fine without Plumley. Um, you know, they they rebounded. They added Jamichael Green. They draft Zeke Naji this year, so I think he's going to help them. I think um, Michael Porter Jr. is going to take a much uh, bigger step forward to playing uh, there. And then they converted Bull Bull to a standard contract. He had a two-year two-way, so he had one more year on the two-way. They converted him to a standard deal, so um, they, they filled that out. They re-signed Paul Millsap, and then R.J. Hampton's coming in. And then a guy who not a lot of people may know a lot about, but Facundo Capazzo, who is one of the top guards um, for years. Nice pronunciation there. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I've been <laughs> practicing. Um, you know, he is going to come in and be a lot of fun. He is one of the top passers. Um, he's very small. He's only about five foot eleven. Um, so we'll see. You know what what he can do. But you put him and Nikola Jokic on on the court at the same time, you might see that ball ping ponging. If you have a chance, go look up Facundo Capazzo. C A M P A Z Z O. Go look his highlights up because I guarantee you're going to have a lot of fun watching those. So yeah, I, I like what they did. I, I think they're a little weak on the wing. I'd like to see mm-hmm. one more wing defender because I don't think you're going to get much out of R.J. Hampton, um, who they traded for his draft rights um, in, as part of that big uh, New Orleans-Milwaukee mega trade. Um, 
But yeah, well, one more wing, but that's something they can address now in season. And partially how they can go about addressing that is they have their uh, full, uh, they got a massive trade exception, about $9.5 million uh, from the Jeremy Grant trade because they structured that as a sign-in trade. Uh, sign-in trade and for trade exceptions, that's going to be kind of a running theme here throughout the afternoon as we, we break this all down. But yeah, that, that's a tool that they can use as well. They can only use part of it because they're hard capped um, now, but but they, they're in a pretty good position i think in denver for a team that was already pretty deep do you feel like they're worse having lost jeremy grant than they were last season or does that get mitigated by just organic growth from michael porter jr and the other pieces they've added like what do you think denver sits now in the western conference that's a good question um maybe i think a lot depends on what michael porter jr does if he kind of continues to grow into where he can be a uh I still don't know that he's going to start. I think they'll still be more comfortable leaning on Millsap and Barton mm-hmm. as the veterans. But if Porter um, can be a 25 to 30 minute a night guy off the bench, I think they're okay. Um, they'll be different. I think they're maybe better offensively with him in the mix. Um, defensively, they might be a little bit worse. Um, but they were already a very good defense. So if they slide down a little bit, but make up a little bit on the offensive end, I you know pro- probably about the same in the end. But it, it's definitely worth watching for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's something where I do wonder. But again, like Michael Porter Jr., that's that's the key to all of this, right? Is Michael Porter Jr. if he takes another step forward? And then he's going to be looking really, he was already looking good. If he takes another step forward, Denver could still be a handful, even losing Jeremy Grant. Because I did think they made enough moves around the edges to perhaps in the aggregate replace what Jeremy Grant brought, at least production-wise. So some good moves by the Nuggets overall. uh, Gary Harris, too. They got to get him back on track. Mm -hmm. He's now been bad for, call it a season and a half, almost two full seasons. So if you can get him back on track, uh, I think you're in in a pretty good place. Well, no, I liked what Gary Harris did on the defensive end of the floor. I noticed a lot more aggressiveness from the Nuggets in general when he was on the floor. But the offensive side of things, yeah, you've got to get – he's so much better than what he showed, especially shooting the basketball. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's, it's been a huge struggle. I don't know what happened to him offensively. His shot's gone. He's not getting the baskets off the cuts like he did for a mm-hmm. while. So, so yeah, they got to get Gary Harris back going. All right, let's move on to the team that I had thought this is going to be a title-contending team, potentially. And now we've already got the first giant, I mean, just, a complete bummer of the season that it's it's terrible it's tragic and you feel awful even talking about it the golden state warriors losing clay thompson replacing him with kelly Oubre jr he's just just what a what a downer i mean he's just battling that back sucks. from injury and then the achilles just i feel awful for clay yeah there there and there's no um there's no other way to put it other than it sucks it's yeah. absolutely awful. It's terrible. Um, I don't care if you hate the Warriors. Nobody hates Clay Thompson. Everybody likes Clay Thompson. He's one of my most favorite players to watch in the league. You know, I think he can. Uh, you know, do the fact that he can score sixty points and touch the ball, you know, twenty five times and have it for you know fifteen seconds. It feels like I am. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm a huge fan of Clay Thompson. That said, I think the Warriors did the best they could possibly do to rebound from that, and they may not be done just yet. I think um, you know, adding uh, Kelly Oubre Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, via the Andre Iguodala trade exception. Was 
was a big move. They're going to get a $9.3 million disabled player exception for Clay Thompson. That is going to help uh, quite a bit. That That is something that they will be able to use to go get get another player. The, the only thing is uh, Ubre's $14 million salary. Have you heard what it did to their tax bill? Yeah, I, I didn't think of what it added. It was either 60, it was 60 or 80, right? 80? 80, 80, yeah, it's gonna cost. Oh it added gosh. 66 on top of his 14 That's million dollar salary. On top of 14. Oh, exactly. Because how the luxury tax works is it's tiered. So you start out dollar for dollar. You're a million over. You you pay a million in tax. But then as you as as that bill grows higher and higher, it starts to go to two point two dollars and fifty cents. $3.50 and it keeps growing. There's a repeater tax on top of that. So $80 million is what they're ultimately yeah. going to pay to have Kelly Oubre for one season. So yeah, their tax bill, what they're actually going to pay out in taxes zoomed well past a hundred million dollars. So, um, but to me, if I'm a Warriors fan, that says our ownership is committed, right? They're committed to winning. Um, they're not uh, willing to just throw this season away because, you know, because Clay got hurt. They're, they're still willing to go after it. And I think that is, you know, pretty, pretty cool. Um, I like some of their other additions too. Kemp Bazemore, I think is going to be helpful. Mm-hmm. He's not the guy he once was who, who just waved a towel at the end of their bench. Now he's a he's a legit uh, rotation player, and I think he'll be helpful. Brad Wanamaker, somebody I know from his Celtics time. Um Good, solid, tough, dependable backup guard behind Stephen Curry. They have not had that for a couple of seasons. Although my guy, Kai Bowman, BC guy, give him love. Um, you know, I'm happy to see him catch on with the Clippers after the Warriors waved him. We'll talk about him in a minute. Um, but yeah, and then James Wiseman. You know, what a great spot for Wiseman. Yeah. You know, no pressure on him to come in and score 20 points per game right out of the gate. He can just kind of learn the NBA game. He's going to learn from Draymond Green how to defend at an NBA level. I think he's going to be pretty good. I'm going to even say, too, I think Marquise Chris may start this season as the Warriors starting center. Mm -hmm. But I think James Wiseman by... Normally, I kind of say Christmas. That's clearly not going to be right because that'd be like a day or two into <laughs> two the days, season. Yeah, I, yeah, I will say by Valentine's Day, uh, James Wiseman is the Warriors' starting center. I think if Marquise Chris is your starting center, you've got some issues. Nothing against Marquise Chris, but I think he he's more of a backup. So yeah, as soon as they feel like yeah. James Wiseman is ready to roll. I think he is going to be in there. I do think this Warriors team is is interesting. They're still good, but Clay was so good. It's not even so much the offense. It's the defense. Kelly Oubre Jr. Yeah. is a good player, but he is not Clay Thompson on either end of the floor. And I especially think the defensive end of the floor could be a, a bit of trouble for them at this point. So I do wonder about that. Uh, the the tax bill, man. I mean, to, to put it into context, right? Eighty million dollars for Oubre. The salary cap is 109 million. You're talking about almost an entire team's season-long payroll, potentially, being spent on one player when you add in the contract and the tax belt. That is bonkers, especially in a season where you're not going to have all of the fans in the stadium. I mean, yeah. a credit to the Warriors, I guess, for being able to to take that that chance. But this is the kind of risk where people say, you know, oh, big market, small market, doesn't matter. This is a situation where, yeah, it does, because the Utah Jazz are not making this move, right? That's no. not that's not going to happen. But the deep pockets in Golden Nobody State, else. it matters. Yeah, probably no one else is doing yeah. this. Maybe the Clippers. I mean, that's With Ballmer, $80 million yeah. dollars for Steve Ballmer is, you know, I mean, he sneezes and 
he loses that much. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, you know, I will say too that there's a couple of things here. The Warriors bench is a little, eh, especially that's where losing Thompson hurts because even if they had added Uber even without Thompson or even with Thompson, he would have been a really nice bench piece. Uh, some pressure on Andrew Wiggins to be you know better than what Andrew Wiggins has been in his career. Um, I think he's got it in him. I really was looking forward to seeing him as clearly like the fourth guy on a team now. Now he's probably more the third guy, so we'll see um, you know, what he can do. Uh, but they, they need some bench up. I really like Eric Paschal. I think he's really good. Um, you know, I think he's going to be pretty good um, off their bench. But, yeah, then it's Bazemore, Wanamaker, uh, Kevon Looney, you know, if he's healthy. They, they've got some guys who can do some stuff. but And you don't need guys to do a ton. If Steph is Steph and Draymond is Draymond, you're probably okay. Um, but, yeah, and they, they were kind of interesting just, a, you know, kind of roster quirk thing. They were the only team that had no free agents um, on, on their team coming in because they had everybody signed. Uh, on their roster going into this soft season. Um, and then they added, you know, clearly a couple guys to fill the open roster spots they had. And then the only guy they've lost is Kai Bowman, who they waived a couple of days uh, before everything got going. All right, let's move on. Houston, we have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> we have a big problem. Let's, <laughs> we... let's get into the drama. <laughs> Russell Westbrook, James Harden, where are they going? Apparently they don't want to continue with the Rockets, they want to leave Houston. And then, I mean, a few moves here. I have a hard time figuring out exactly what the Rockets are doing. The Robert Covington trade. I don't know. Then they add Boogie Cousins. I keep shed some light on them. What are the Rockets trying to do? <laughs> How are they going to manage this situation? Because it, it's, I do not envy the, the spot the Rockets are in at the moment. Yeah. So let, let's um, Harden and Westbrook. We'll set that aside. Yes. We'll get to that in a minute. What they're doing here is clearly they're now migrating away from a Mike D'Antoni roster and into a roster that makes a lot more sense for, you know, just a more normal NBA team. And that is, you know, uh, a roster that has some size. Um, now, I have no criticism of that. I've said this over and over again. I thought Daryl Morey did a great job mm-hmm. giving Mike D'Antoni the kind of roster that um, is set up to win in a D'Antoni system. He gave him the best possible players for that. You have to respect when a GM and a coach are that tied together that they do that. Now, D'Antoni's gone. Maury's gone. You have a new GM. You have a new coach. It's time to start building a roster that's not microball. And they certainly did that. We'll see what they get out of Cousins. This is a you know great flyer. Minimal yeah. contract. It's non-guaranteed. I think of this in a lot of ways. It's like the Dwight Howard contract last year for the Lakers comes in. If he looks good early now, training camp this year is going to last for all of about five minutes. Um, it feels like before the season starts. So Dwight had a lot longer to prove himself, but you know, if cousins looks good, great. You move forward. If he doesn't, you, you move on very easily with no real worries. Christian Wood, fantastic get. I think Christian Wood is one of the best free agents available in this class. I think uh, in my final rankings, I had him fourth or fifth um, behind guys like AD and Brandon Ingram, who we knew weren't going anywhere. Right. Well, I don't know. I mean, AD's still a free agent. Still, <laughs> yeah, maybe he does go to the next. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, we know what's happening there. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, I, I think they're, you know, putting together a roster that makes a little bit more sense. I think Wood is, is he the best big man James Harden's ever played with? Christian Wood? Is he better than, yeah. is he better than Capella? I think and so. He's certainly more versatile. Yeah. I mean, I guess he's, I he's so. less proven, 
right? Because we've only seen him in shorter bursts. But but yeah, I would say yes. Looking at just his skill set, my goodness, I can't believe how. Yeah. Did, and we're going to get to Detroit in a, in a while here. <laughs> yeah. How do you pay Mason Plumley instead of Christian Wood? They got similar deals. What are you doing, Detroit? Okay. My goodness. Well, Wood did get a he got a you know good amount more, but yeah, it still doesn't make any it's, sense. I mean, it's but in, yeah. in NBA yeah, when you, relative to NBA contracts, like you would gladly pay. Yeah the young up and coming potential yep. unicorn type prospect rather than a plumbing. Nothing. Yeah, I, I certainly would. Yeah. Especially for where Detroit is. I, yeah. I kind of like in the, I'll probably repeat this when we get to the Pistons. Cause that'll be a, an hour or so from <laughs> now. Um, but spend it when you're a bad team, spending money, a big money on a backup center. And I don't care if Plumley starts for them or not. He's still a backup center. Um, that is like, a baseball team spending a lot of money on a closer. Mm-hmm. What's the point? Right. Thought, well, who cares? There, there's no point to that. Um, yeah, I would have much rather had Christian Wood. I, I, you know, to answer my own question back, I think Wood's the best big man um, Harden's ever played with. Uh, I think, you know, and I don't think it's particularly close on the offensive end. He's got an inside-outside game. Um, he's good. At, he is a role man. He's good at diving off pick and rolls. He can spot up a little bit. So if the Rockets, now the question becomes, what happens with Westbrook and Harden, right? All the rest of this stuff is nice, but that's what really matters here. I think the Rockets are, my. here's my guess. They would love to move Russell Westbrook if something comes available mm-hmm. to do so. For James Harden, they're going to have to be blown away. Yeah. Um, that is a sign that's, that matches everything I've heard from talking to people. They want two to three young players under team control, either already signed or due for an extension. So they want that, plus they want the Drew Holiday package now of give me every pick you can with pick swaps in the year between and all that stuff. And they can clearly demand it because even if you're not a fan of James Harden, He's still a top five player in the entire league. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's what what's going to be out there. So I, I I don't think either one of these guys is going anywhere before the start of the season. Now, like like we said at the top of the show, now that I've said that, we'll <laughs> drop that tomorrow. right as they send down to dinner tomorrow. Yep. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're going to you know go into the, into the uh, season with those guys on the roster. And then when I look at it, on a team that really makes a lot more sense now, Wood, Tucker, uh, House, Harden, and um, uh, Westbrook as your starters. And then you've got uh, uh, Cousins and Gordon coming off your bench. David Nawaba is kind of your uh, designated defender. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't hate that team. I that That's, you know, that's as good as they were last year. They're different, but I think that team's just as good as they were the year before. For now, but I think they are going to wind up having to move. Oh, if, if Harden yeah. and Westbrook push out, then push to leave, then they're going to have to um, make some moves there. Now, I do love the Boogie Cousins move. I think that's that's fantastic because you're just basically betting on if he's healthy. If he's healthy, even if he's only 60% of what he used to be, that's that's a player that's more valuable than a veteran minimum deal, especially a non-guaranteed veteran minimum. And by making it non-guaranteed, your risk is almost non-existent, right? So great move there to get Boogie. Yep. Um, as far as the Christian Wood signing goes, I'm jealous. I was hoping that, that the Lakers would somehow grab Christian Wood. They, they got him at a great price. Um, I love that, that move for them. The one question mark that I've got, though, is that Robert Covington trade. It seemed like he was such a great fit for them. What do you think about that, Keith? Was that just, hey, this is a great return, so we're going to do it? What kind of message does that send to your stars? Were they already on their way out? That, to me, was an interesting move. 
Yeah, um, I'm not sure. You know, I don't, I don't know what, uh, what, what, what the answer is there. I, th- I think that is more of a, um, we're rebalancing here. Right. We, we are, uh, where we're, you know, trying to do something in a slightly, slightly different direction. Covington was, you know, outside of Harden, he's probably the, they're clearly their best trade asset. Um, so it was a chance to let's re- rebalance this a little bit, see see what we can do. And then we still, um, you know, Tucker is so key if they want to play small and those kind of things. So I think, think that's all it is. I think it was a rebalancing versus, you know, let's do anything, um, you know, really wild and crazy here, um, you know, as far as, uh, you know, try to turn guys on or off. But I think it's also – um, in the back of their head, it's right. That trade led to a Riza, which led to the wood sign and trade. That is the protection. If you do start a rebuild, now you're mm-hmm. kind of starting it with Christian Wood as a pretty nice. Um, I don't want to call him the centerpiece, but at least a pretty nice piece uh, to plug in there as you know, if you start that rebuild path. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that'll let you kind of at least get a jump start on things. Uh, as far as the stars go, Russell Westbrook. I mean, first we heard maybe the Hornets, maybe the Knicks, but now both of those teams are kind of meh about about adding him. I don't think the Hornets are even going to really look into that as strongly as they as they maybe might have been done before landing Gordon Hayward. Where does where does Westbrook go? I mean, I, I look at him; he's one of those players where we're seeing the fans turn on him and his skill set because of his contract. Right? That's kind of bleeding into <laughs> our evaluation of him happening. as a player. Yep. He's still a very very yep. good player. But yeah. where's he going to land? I have a hard time finding a landing yeah. spot. And he, and he needs it to be his team, right? That's the thing now. It needs to be where the whole team is built to orbit around him and his skill set. Mm-hmm. It can't be one of these setups where it is, uh, you know, Russ is, um, you know, the secondary guy like he is in Houston. We're just seeing that's it's not who he is, right? He needs to be the guy who's got the ball all the time. He's what makes you go. Um, it, I, my guess is, some team starts really poorly that expected to be better than what they are. Mm-hmm. And then they, they push in and throw a bunch of stuff Houston's way and make that Westbrook trade. You know, Hey, well, what if it's a, what if that's one, what if Washington isn't the team they think? And then like, all right, you know, we'll, we'll do John wall. Um, what if it's the Orlando magic and they'll move, you know, Markel Fultz and stuff to get Westbrook because you know, like we said, this guy still made all NBA last year. I didn't pick him for all NBA, but I wasn't far off. I mean, he still, you know, put up good all around stats. Once he stopped shooting so many jumpers too, he, he was a much better player. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, uh, you know, of, of two minds with this, but I think, think it's just going to be the right fit. And I think these other teams looked at it and said, he's not the right fit for us for where we're going. And that's why he hasn't been moved yet. And the one thing just to kind of, I don't know, a little bit of solace for for Houston fans. If you do wind up moving James Harden, the one thing that we've seen now over the last few seasons in the NBA is that it's still true that you never get full value for a star, but we are seeing teams pay a lot in terms of future assets with draft picks, young players. You might not get a guy, you're probably not getting a guy that is anywhere near the guy you're giving up. You're not going to get another James Harden, but you're getting enough pieces in general to really jumpstart a rebuild and push you into a new era. And so I think that should be at least a little bit comforting for Rockets fans, knowing that you're not going to lose James Harden for nothing. He's not going to be traded for, gosh, what was Vince Carter traded for back in the, back in the day? It was like, like, what was it like an Eric Williams or so it was something like that. And just, it wasn't very good. It was nothing, you know, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think the thing with, um, with Harden too, is where this, 
does all go sideways is if Harden and Rush show up next week for the start of training camp and are are just act you know like we don't want to be here and they make it a big mess. That's what that's when we'll get a real sense. I don't think anything happens until next week when they're all back on the court together and then they can really evaluate. All right, how are these guys acting? Mm-hmm. You know, what is their attitude? What do we need to do? And then that's where we'll ultimately see them um, you know decide this is how we want to put things together. All right, let's jump to. I don't know. The other LA team, the Clippers, the <laughs> Clippers. So they, they, I mean, there's some interesting losses here, losing Jermichael Green, losing Montrez Harrell, um, Reggie Jackson, Landry Shamet. They, they made an interesting trade there with Shamet. They, you know, they packed up, it was like the trade was done. They're getting Luke Kennard. And then suddenly, what was it like a day later? Oh, by the way, they also grabbed like four second rounders in the deal. So they made some moves there, bringing in Serge Ibaka. I feel like the Clippers, if nothing else, are are even with where they were last season. If not, maybe a little bit better. Yeah, I, I, th- I think they're at least as good as they were last year. Um, I'm not a big Luke Kennard guy. Mm-hmm. He never stays healthy. Um, but if he if he is, I like the fact that he gives him another guy who can do some stuff off the dribble. Um, I, I'm still waiting to see if Lou Williams gets gets moved um, in, in a trade. Here, I'm very curious to see how that plays out. Um, I'm not entirely sure he's going to stick long term uh, with with the uh, with the Clippers. Um, just you know, with some of the the locker room issues that happened and all that stuff, which now, of course, everybody's saying that oh, was all, all overblown. It wasn't a real thing, and you know, and I'm sure then eventually it'll all get blamed on Montrezl Harrell because he's not there he's not anymore. There. Um, that's just <laughs> how it goes. Um, you know, but yeah, but um, huge for them to resign Marcus Morris. Um, right, they after giving up a first round pick, they had to bring him back after losing Harrell. But yeah, I think Abaka is he's a different player from Harrell, but I think he's just as good. Kennard and Shamit, yeah, we'll see. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Reggie Jackson pops back up um, here and, and he comes back because they still don't have a real true um, backup point guard. Lou Williams is much more of a scorer yeah. than he is someone who's going to run the offense. So Reggie Jackson could could return, and I thought he played pretty good for them. And then uh, Jamichael Green, but he was kind of out of the rotation, um, you know, as the season went along anyway. So, so we'll see. But, yeah, I think they're – just as good, like you said. I don't think they're they're necessarily any worse than they were, um, you know, two weeks ago. I, I think they they're they're basically just as good, even if they look slightly different. So we've heard these rumors that the Clippers might still have something else up their sleeve, even though it feels like kind of free agency is starting to wind down. That they've got something to go for. I mean, we know they're going to be aggressive, and it feels like they really haven't added that point guard that we knew they needed, right? They were in on Rajon yeah. Rondo, didn't get him. He went to the Hawks. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts here on, on what the Clippers can do? Is it a Lou Williams trade? Is is that what they're going to be up to here? Yeah, it, it might be. I just, I don't know for, for who, you know, right. do, do you, do you swap Lou Williams and try to go get Derek Rose? You know, that's almost an even salary match. And I think, you know, the Pistons might be willing to move on from Derrick Rose. And I think Derrick Rose would be really good for the Clippers um, coming off the bench. Um, you know, he's, again, not a you know pure point guard in the uh, pure sense of the world. He's more of a um, scorer than he is a guy who can run the offense. But I think that's okay um, there. So, you know, and, of course, you know, maybe they do just go into the season with Lou Williams and it's fine. And, you know, Lou Williams for the, like, 20th season in a row is a finalist for six man of the year and it's all and it's all good so um the thing i'm more interested in is if this roster is more or less done is uh avica zubac mm-hmm. uh, i think avica zubac is going to have to play a little bit bigger of a role now 
um, for this team. I love Serge Ibaka for them, but I think, I think Zubac is a guy who's going to have to, you know, uh, maybe go from being, you know, he's more like a 20 minute a night guy to maybe more like a 25 minute a night guy um, for this team. Cause you don't want to push Ibaka too, too hard and too far in the regular season, at least a new coach in there, doc rivers out the door. Yep. You've got, you've got Ty Lu coming in. We'll see how, what kind of adjustments he makes. I do know, Lou Williams was, he was great for them scoring the basketball. He was wonderful at that, especially down the stretch. If he got going in a late in a close game, I mean, the defense would try to lock down and Lou Williams could just go get buckets by himself. And so that was certainly a luxury, but on the other end of the floor, oh man, did he get picked on? There was the, the first game the Lakers beat them. LeBron James was just merciless targeting Lou Williams, putting him in switches and pick and roll time and time again so he could bully him. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if the Clippers moved on from him, but I do think that scoring punch really has value for them. So we'll see what they wind up doing there. Yeah, this is not an off-season thing, but let me say one more thing mm-hmm. about the Clippers, kind of a running theme right there. They're the the biggest kind of proponents of load management, yes. right? They, they push uh, load management more than anybody does. I think what you're going to ultimately see with them is about an eighth of the season got cut off this year right we, we got rid of 10 games we're only going to do a 72 game season so if you you do the aggressive load management that's 10 less games you had to make up ground and that, that could put you in a little bit of a tricky spot as you put this uh you know try try to win games and you know really firm up your uh your playoff position and all that so I, i'm curious to see how that impacts things all right and my dogs are announcing the arrival <laughs> apparently my in-laws weren't here when they barked before now they actually are here so um, but, that, in, but that's okay. We're not even through right the Western here. Conference yet. So let's jump. <laughs> let's get to the main event here. And let's get it to is. the let's get to the Lakers. Let's talk about them. They a um, lot of moves made. A lot going on. A lot more. Keith, this is what really stood out to me. As of right now, they only have seven guys coming back from last year. That means half their team is going to be new faces. How weird is that for a championship team to have that kind of turnover? You know what it feels like? It feels like almost an NFL thing, mm-hmm. right? When uh, teams go in and then they pick pick off all the free agents from from the uh, from from the NFL uh, champions. But also, it says to me there was a lot of veterans there that weren't um, necessarily not that they weren't good for the Lakers, but they were um, guys that the Lakers didn't feel they needed to retain. Um, you know, Dwight Howard clearly, you know, whatever happened with that whole tweet. And it sounds oh, like, um, you know, mess. he, they said, here's what we could do. Mm-hmm. Right. And he jumped into, Oh, it's done. I'm coming back. And then I'm like, Whoa, hold on big fella. <laughs> um, you know, not the first time Dwight Howard's you know, done something silly, right. um, you know, but they didn't need him. They didn't really need JaVale McGee. Uh, they didn't really need Rondo less needed with Dennis Schroeder, but we'll talk about that one more in a second. Then the other guys, the guy I think, honestly, as I was looking at it this morning, that I think they're going to miss the most of that whole group is Avery Bradley. Yep. I think it's been forgotten how good he was mm-hmm. for them because he didn't play for them in the bubble. He was a starter. Um, you yeah, playoff Rondo's the guy. Clearly, you're going to miss the most. No. Um, but you know that we'll worry about that when we get to the you know springtime. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the next you know several months, that's not really going to matter. Um, but Avery Bradley, yeah, starter all year, played really, really well. Um, you know, fits because he doesn't need the ball at all. He's happy to defend. He cuts. He 
it's, you know, shoot jumpers and those kind of things. Um, I think it was absolutely huge that they uh, re-upped with uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Mm-hmm. I don't think – I was worried, especially once they gave the biannual exception to Wesley Matthews and they gave the full mid-level to Montrezl Harrell, you knew there's a max salary slot being saved for AD. I was really looking at it and saying, boy, it is starting to get real tight yep. to keep Wesley – or to keep uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. You know, what's going to happen with KCP? And if they lose him, that is – that was just going to be devastating because it's just you, know, you can't underrate how important he is uh, to to everything that they do. But, you know, I think keeping him, getting Markeith Morris back on the minimum, adding Marcus Ole on the minimum. I think, you know, here's what I'm going to say with the Lakers. I think they are better right now in the regular season. When we get to the playoffs, that's where I'm a little bit worried. Um, I just don't know who the playoff closing five is. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about about that. Um, uh, and then Harold hasn't always been the same guy in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Schroeder isn't always the same guy in the playoffs. Um, you got to get Gasol and Matthews there, right? So I think you're going to need to really take care of those guys. So they need another big. For sure. Um, one, one more center who can do some things. I know the chat's been going nuts about uh, Hassan, Hassan Whiteside. Yep. I mean, all right, if to my comes world. for the minimum, whatever. Yep. Right? Yeah, right. Welcome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, your world's that. My world is Gordon. That's Hayward right. Signing <laughs> trades. Um, it's, uh, you know, but um, yeah, it's you get one more big in there just because, you know, you don't want to push Gasol too hard in the regular season. And you don't want to really push Harrell, who's always been kind of a bench guy. And you don't want to lean on AD at the five too much um, with that. But I think, I think, you know, when you're starting your kind of baseline is we're starting with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you have to really screw it up to do really poorly. And the Lakers did not. They made good decisions for guys who make sense. I just think, you know, and, and I don't think they're done either. I think there's another move or two in here as the season goes along and develops and, you know, those kind of things. So that's what what will be. And now there's no KCP, no trade clause. So feel free to throw them in all your deals you want for the rest of the year. That's right. You know, and like you and I constantly cautioning people not to do that the last few years. Well, now they, now they certainly can. And it's actually, <laughs> it, it could happen. Um, looking at this this roster, I was really excited. You know, we we talked about this before about how we weren't sure where Harold was going to land, and we were worried about a team paying him say twenty million dollars, and and then having to try to match his skill set for a Lakers team to get him for nine million starting essentially. I mean, you can work around that. So just based on you know you're getting the reigning six man of the year for an average salary, the mid level exception. And then you add in, and he's 26, and then you add in a 27-year-old Dennis Schroeder, who is the backup or the um, the yep. runner-up to the sixth man of the year. You're getting two of the best bench players in the league from last season and adding them to this already good Lakers roster. I think that's uh, a big, big move by Rob Palenka to, to add that kind of depth to the bench. We can question exactly how Harrell is going to fit in. I think that Vogel is going to be able to figure it out. I do like a lot of these moves. Um, and one thing, you know, the the questions about, well, what are these guys going to give us in the playoffs? I think that's where it's the leadership of LeBron. It's the leadership of Anthony Davis. Your job gets simplified when all you have to do is play off of those guys. So that's where I'm optimistic that we'll see the best out of these guys if they can stay healthy. That's going to be the key. You mentioned Wesley Matthews, 34 years old. Marcus Gasol is going to be 36 like this. They're no spring chickens. They did add a few young players, but they're going to have to make sure that they keep these guys fully healthy. But 
I'm excited about this roster. I think it's a good one. I know around the league, Taylor Horton Tucker gets a lot of, you know, eye rolls from other people, from fans of other teams, because it's okay. Here's another Lakers role player. That's just okay. But the Lakers fans are going to blow him out of proportion and everything. But I've heard from a few people that they are expecting him to be part of the rotation and that it's because in the bubble, he was dominant in practice. That's the word I've heard was he was dominant in practice. Now, obviously there's going to be some hyperbole there and everything, but if <laughs> Taylor Horton Tucker can be a real piece, I think they are kind of short one wing player right now. If he can fill that role and at least be a rotation piece, I think that helps them a lot. Yeah, that, that's it, right? They they need, um, you know, somebody to step up there. I think they're going to need to lean on Alex Caruso a little bit more uh, than they did the, the prior year. Because right now, if you look at it guard-wise, there's not a whole heck of a lot um, on the roster. It's really kind of kind of Schroeder and Caruso right now. And then, you know, Horton Tucker, I, I think he's more of a wing um, than, than he is a guard. But, but yeah, I think, you know, and then, like I said, you're going to need those nights where Matthews, um, you're not going to want to push him. You know, he's going to want to sit on those nights. I assume, you know, Caldwell Pope, you know, moves into the starting five because I think he probably goes back to his bench role um, with Matthews. I think Matthews kind of takes on that Danny Green starting yeah, spot. Um, so, yeah, so that'll be, um, you know, th- that's that's the thing. And that though, that's what I think. I think one more big. I'm on the minimum and then try to find another guard uh, on the minimum there. You know, that this is a team that, you know, if they wanted to further hurt the Crosstown rivals, uh, Reggie Jackson could make some sense yes. for, for them as another backup guard. Cause I think you just need one more guy um, there that can, can kind of, mm-hmm. you know, give you the thing. Because as you said, if there's injuries, it's, it, we say this all the time, unless it's the true superstar, it's never about the guy you lose. It's always about what happens if you lose the next guy. Right. The domino you know, effect. Um, uh, there. So, yeah, I, I think that is, you know, um, you know, well, what's going to be kind of, you know, some, something you need to um, to to consider there is, you know, you lose one guy, you know, all of a sudden it's going to be a little bit tough. So so I think it'll be, uh, you know, kind of, um, you know, something to keep an eye on because I don't think they're done just yet. Um, but that's where, where we're down to. We're down to those minimum deals now for the Lakers because they're right. You know, they're basically right there at the hard cap. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that real quick. I and mean, we are getting a lot of comments saying Reggie Jackson to the Lakers. That would be a great fit. Um, but let's talk about that hard cap. So this is something that we've that we've been hearing a lot in Lakers land is that they can only add two more contracts, two more veteran minimum deals. They actually won't yep. be able to carry 15 players on their roster. They're going to have to have 14 because they're going to be so close to the hard cap. Is that way you're also showing on your projections? Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's basically where, where we're at okay. now. I think think what what are they at? They're at uh, this is assuming 12, 80 they at 12 players. Right now, yeah, and AD's going to get the max. I mean, we just with all we're waiting on with AD is how long it's for mm-hmm. and what are the what's the option look like. And you know, I, I'm starting to think it's probably a two plus one yeah. for AD where he can opt out. Then he's tenth tenth year, and and you know, off we go um, from there. So yeah, it'll be um, you know, I, I think there's one uh, you know, yeah, pro, I, I've got them at twelve players right now, which I think sounds right. Um, you know, unless I've really missed somebody. So yeah, two, two more guys on the minimum and then, then, then there you are. So I, th- I think that's where it is, you know, so if you can do, uh, you know, if you could do, you know, a big and a point guard, I, I think that that's what you need, you know, most of all. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Kyle Kuzma contract extension. They've got until December 21st to work that out. We don't know if it's going to happen or not. It'll come down to, uh, you know, what the numbers look like, what Kuzma's expecting, what the Lakers are willing to offer. But we do know that they've got until then to do it. And if they don't, then he could be a restricted free agent the following offseason. 
if the Lakers give him a qualifying offer. So they've got that hanging over them. And then last but not least, the Luol Dang decision. We're still in limbo on that. That could give them a little bit of breathing room with the uh, with the hard cap, but we just have no idea when the NBA has given us a response there. Yeah, and we, yeah, and that's honestly, it's going to be be a while on that one. It is extremely complicated because of the fact that Dang went on to play. Um, what I was basically told by by folks was, if the Lakers wanted an answer right now, the answer would be no, it stays. But so they got to put time together to put together their full case and then get the um, the uh, NBA to do their full investigation with all that. It's just going to be really hard. I don't think it's getting removed. Um, I said that you know weeks ago when this first came up. There's no, I have no criticism of the Lakers at all. They did exactly what they should do um, by trying to go go out and didn't ask for it because the worst they're going to say is no. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think that's going to be you know in the end you know how this happens. I think that stays on the. Um, on on the uh, books, and that's where where moves forward with. All right, so going from three teams in a row with the Rockets, Clippers, and Lakers, who all had a lot of moves and a lot to kind of dive into, to one that is pretty simple: the Memphis Grizzlies yeah. lost two players, gained two players, mostly bringing back the same <laughs> squad. And and realistically, that's what they should do. This is a young, up and coming team, and they need some organic yep. growth. Yeah, that's it. They, they didn't have a lot to do. They re-signed a few of their own guys, too, which I think we saw coming. Uh, they elevated John Conchar to the active roster, uh, re-signed DeAnthony Melton to a really nice contract. Melton got a declining contract that has non-guaranteed money at the end, which I think is good. And then John Tay Porter, who was a very highly thought of uh, draft prospect, who mm-hmm. then you know blew out his ACL twice in a row, um, did went undrafted. The Grizzlies signed him at the very end of last season with the idea of signing him, um, getting his restricted rights, and then being able to move um, on him later. And that's exactly what they did. They inked him to a three-year deal. Uh, They made a draft night trade with the Celtics to get the 30th pick, um, which got them Desmond Bain. That helped Boston move off some money for Menace Cantor. But, yeah, so this team, you know, Josh Jackson, who was okay for them, Anthony Tolliver, you know, fine. Um, but yeah, and, and then they're going to have to cut somebody because because the rosters are, you know, about one player too many um, right now. But, but you know, I think the Grizzlies are in good shape. They they were right there for a playoff playoff berth last year. I think they'll be in the mix. And it and now it's about just growth. I think they're, they're very much, I've probably said this before, so it may sound like a broken record. They are a team that is could be much better mm-hmm. with a worse record next season just as some of the other teams get even better around them but yeah it's about John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clark um, how they continue to grow and what they grow into that that's what what it is for the Grizzlies there's no reason to rush this thing forward at all you know the big moves will come probably not next offseason probably the offseason after that is when you start trying to really bring in the guys to push this thing forward and I mean a big part of the start of this season for them is going to be getting Jaron Jackson Jr. healthy getting him back back in there that's going to be important but this is a team that is up and coming but i do feel like their uh, their final record last season was probably a little better than it should have been like it, it showed them as being probably a better team than they really were so it wouldn't surprise me if it dipped back down a little bit but you're right they could actually be a better team with a worse record this this season but that being said i think they had one of the coolest things of the offseason with the memphis zoo named their new giraffe Ja <laughs> Raff. I think that they win the offseason with that one. 
that in the did you see their alternate uniforms? Oh, those are nice. alternate uniforms. Nice. Oh, those are real nice, man. They did a good job with those. When it's very, I mean, we saw how many teams kind of screwed those up uh, with, with Nike. Those are really, really nice. So I think, yeah, I, I think think you know all their off the court stuff is going their way too. There in Memphis, yeah, we're we're not going to spend a lot of time on them because they didn't do a lot. But you know, I think we're we're both in the same spot where we like their team yeah, as they're going forward. All right, another team that didn't do a ton, but they did have the number one pick in the draft the minnesota timberwolves some moves being made there they pick anthony edwards number one overall adding him to a lineup that already includes carl anthony towns and d'angelo russell bringing back ricky rubio bringing him back into town interesting fit there alongside d'angelo um i don't know like should, should t-wolves fans be excited moving forward here do you think that they made the, the right steps to push their team into contention or or no yeah, I kind of gave the sigh there. Yeah. I, don't, I don't love, you know, what they did. This is one of the off seasons. You know, if anything, I get criticized for liking everything every team does. Um, I, I tend to, you know, uh, be more optimistic than I am not. So, uh, but the Wolves, I, I don't know. Anthony Edwards, I was okay with that. I get why they didn't draft James Wiseman and LaMelo Ball. They already had the big and the ball handler. Um, so I think they um, you know, were were right to draft Anthony Edwards. I think he is a wing scorer. He can be pretty good um, for them. So I think that is going to be um, you know, good for them. I am nervous for the um, you know, Wolves, though. Then they kind of doubled down at the position by re-signing Malik Beasley. Um I don't get that. That at least it's a tradable number at about fifteen million a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got that. I like bringing back Ricky Rubio because that kind of allows you to play Russell off the ball. But then that further adds to it. If you're going to play Russell off the ball, now you got Russell Beasley and Edwards all playing off the ball. You know what are we doing here with that? Ed Davis, that's fine. I mean, he basically swapped him out with with James Johnson, and that's you know it is what it is. But yeah, and then. What becomes of Jarrett Culver and Josh Okoji? You know, those guys are, you know, now you've got more wings than you know what to do with. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that any of them has super high trade value because, you know, because, you know, Culver's trade value is as low as it's probably ever going to get. So you can't, you don't want to move on from him. Okoji's the only guy on the team who plays any defense. So you can't really move on from him. And then Beasley, you just gave him $15 million a year. So I'm just, I'm just, I I feel confused and I don't really fully understand exactly what these guys did. It feels a little bit like, fantasy basketball with here here with minnesota like they just they just did a bunch of stuff but i don't know if it really made them any better um yeah more likely to make the playoffs keith the grizzlies or the wolves Uh, the grizzlies okay yeah i I I agree i think that's close i agree i think i think think the grizzlies too but and that's and i'm asking that because we had just said the grizzlies might have a worse record this next season so even dropping the grizzlies down a little bit i still have them more likely to make the playoffs so at some point at what point do do Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell try to figure out a way to go somewhere, maybe that's in Minnesota, to just team up with Devin Booker and put the the Triforce together? Like, and then how far away from that are we if they have another losing season? I mean, I think we're as far away from it as we've ever been now yeah. because. Chris Paul just went to Phoenix right. and now Devin Booker should be pretty happy. And he's got DeAndre Aiden. I'm not saying Aiden's as good as Carr in Towns, but he's not. It's not like he's, you know, 10 tiers behind Towns as a player. So yeah, I'm not sure the the you know long uh 
rumored, awaited, you know, Booker to to the Wolves thing is really going to be the way it goes. I, I, um, you know, yeah, that's tough. I, I don't know, man. I, I don't. Uh, I worry about about the Wolves. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. I, I just, I don't, I don't fully grasp it. You know, may, maybe maybe uh, Gerson Rosas, the general manager there, has something bigger in mind that I'm not seeing. Um, you know, maybe that's that's quite possible, but I, I just, I, I'm not entirely sure. Oh, well, what the you know direction is here uh, with the Wolves. All right, let's move down south and let's talk about, well, the land of point guards and draft picks, the New Orleans <laughs> Pelicans. Oh, and this guy named Zion, too. Uh, the Pelicans, yeah. you know, continue to make moves. Finally, the long-awaited trade of Drew Holiday. They landed a bunch of pieces there. They already have pretty much all of the Lakers picks. Um, they've got some nice things done here. Signed Brandon Ingram to a max deal. Ingram bet on himself, not taking a smaller offer last offseason, gets the max this offseason. I think they've got some things cooking here, but there's still some moves to make. And I do question Steven Adams giving him that extension and locking themselves into him. But all in all, I think that they've got some pieces moving forward. I don't think they have their team put together where they're saying, okay, this is going to be our group moving forward, but they're in the process of figuring out what that's going to be. Yeah, absolutely. I don't love the um, Adams uh, extension. The trade, I think, is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have a huge issue with, with them getting him by a trade. I'm just a little more worried about the extension. That part I don't think totally makes sense um, for them. Um, you know, So I think, think what we'll ultimately see uh, with them is Adams will age out of there, and that will probably be a bad contract by, by the end. I think what you're hopeful is by the time he's moving out, uh, Jackson Hayes is ready to take on a much bigger role next to Zion Williamson. But, you know, Adams doesn't space the floor at all. Um, he's not, not going to do that. So that's going to be kind of tough. Eric Bledsoe, that's all right as Drew Holiday light. Um, you know, he I think Holiday's a much better player, but clearly you couldn't pass up, you know, all the picks right. they got from the box, you know, in, in that deal. Um, they a couple, you know, minor guys, Winyan Gabriel, Willie Hernan Gomez, they're they're okay. You know, I th- think they'll be, mm-hmm. you know, decent depth guys. They resigned Barrington Ingram to the five year max deal. You know, I think that is uh you know re- really um you know a good important uh resigning for for New Orleans, obviously. Um there. And then Kira Lewis Jr., well, we'll see. But you mentioned it, man, point guards. What are they doing with all so these guards? Many. You know, Bledsoe, Ball, Alexander Walker, um, and now Kira Lewis. You know, at least they moved George Hill along to uh, to OKC as part of that uh, you know, big, big swap. But, yeah, I, I don't fully, fully grasp it. But, really, everything in New Orleans is it's about Zion. Um, and if Steven Adams can protect Zion a little bit and keep him from getting beat up, then, you know, mission accomplished and then on you go. And I think clearly there was a design with a couple of these moves around building a better defense. Yeah. Um, Stan Van Gundy was not going to go in there with the way, you know, they, you know, were such a poor defensive team. This was clearly designed around we got to, you know, build this defense up a little bit and, and some of their moves will help with that. Yeah, the Pelicans would go drop 120 points in tonight, but they'd give up 135 to do it. So that's yeah. that's simply not, not winnable basketball. If, in my mind, they should be right now, at least if they aren't already, multiple times a day. Calling up the Clippers saying, hey, interested in point guard? What do you, what do you guys think? What can yeah, you give right. us? Um, yeah. I think there's maybe something to be done there. But if if we thought the Pelicans had a lot of picks, let's jump over. Like the Oklahoma Ooh. City Thunder. My God, they've got they've got basically every draft pick. They are, the picks are Infinity Stones and Oklahoma City is Thanos <laughs> with the gauntlet. They are trying to get every draft pick in the draft. I, it's never happened before, but it's somehow a future draft is going to be one through 30 all 
thunderous elections at the rate they're going right now. A ton of moves and, and, made. And that'll be awesome because then they can just submit one sheet yeah. and the draft will be over in 15 minutes and we can all uh, all go to bed at a reasonable it'll, hour yeah, here on be, the East Coast. All it will take. So the draft will start, but five minutes before the draft starts, Shams will just tweet out a list of all That's the it. picks and we'd, yep. be, and we'd all be done. <laughs> we'd yep. be good. Yeah, man. So, it is, uh, you know, let's just for, for the effect. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, you know, these are the guys that are, that have gone out from, from the thunder, <laughs> Stephen Adams, Deontay Burton, Terrence Ferguson, Danilo Gallinari, Abdel Nader, Nerlens Noel, Chris Paul, Andre Robertson, Dennis Schroeder. These are the guys who are coming in. And some of these names, I guarantee we're going to get some who yeah. um, on these Trevor Ariza. He'll ultimately land there. I like to say, you know, we're playing uh, where in the world is Trevor Ariza. Oh. Um, like we used to play where in the world is Carmen San Diego yep. back in the day. Um, and by the right as soon as you show up there, he, he's gone again. But Ariza, Zylan Cheatham, Josh Gray, George Hill, Al Horford, Frank Jackson, Justin Jackson, Ty Jerome, TJ Leaf, Darius Miller, Vincent Poirier, Alexei Pokashevsky, he was their draft pick, Admiral Schofield, and Kenrich Williams. Those are all the guys who are coming in. Guys who are back, Darius Baisley, Hamadou Diallo, Lou Dort, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Mike Mascala, Isaiah Roby. That is it. Six players returning from last year's roster a whole bunch more coming in and they're not all going to stick and some of them are going to get moved off mm -hmm. and in other deals some are just going to get straight waived but that is the thunder roster right now it is absolutely wild um you know the amount of moves that they were making it, it hit points where you were looking at it, it's like wait who who's on this team you know who got moved who who didn't get moved so yeah they, they're you know wheeling dealing but this is how you do it, right? If you're tearing it down, tear it down. Tear it all the way down to the studs. You're going to be left with uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Darius Baisley, Lou Dort. Those are your building block pieces that you can really start to build around. And then, you know, if they keep Al Horford, George Hill, those guys will probably be moved on, I assume, eventually for picks and other younger players. And then, you know, a couple upside guys, Ty, Ty Jerome, you know, maybe he becomes something in his second year. Uh, TJ Leaf, he hasn't shown much, but maybe he gets an opportunity here. And then I like Pokashevsky. He was a kid a lot of people liked, man, but mm -hmm. that kid needs, you know, he needs a sandwich. He needs a steak, you know, daily, you know, both, you know, multiple times a day, gain some weight. But he's got a lot of skills, so we'll ultimately see, you know, what the big skinny uh, seven-footer from overseas can do. Well, you know, they, they certainly didn't hesitate to make a lot of moves to really tear it down. They absolutely did it. They didn't just kind of dip their toe in the water. They jumped all in into the rebuild process. It'll be a long one, but they've got so many assets that they're, probably going to be able to build something out of it. I've seen some people critical of the Thunder saying that, that, oh, you know, hey, look, a lot of teams have had draft picks, but how easy is it to turn those draft picks into a true winner? That's a, that's a big leap to take. Yes, it is. But when you get so many opportunities, you get so many swings at it that, I mean, they're going to hit on some of them. They're going to miss on some too, but they have so many chances yeah. to land more star talent that um, you have to think that they're in pretty good shape moving forward. And like you said, Al Horford, yep. he's not staying with this team. George Hill, he's not staying. They're going to find new homes for some of these guys. They're going to get even more picks and then they're going to build it out from there. So the Thunder aggressive, yep. dropping themselves well out of the playoff race. But again, commending them for, for doing what they did, for ripping off the Band-Aid and saying, okay, let's go full rebuild. Yeah, that, that's it. And that, that's how you do it, right? Uh, I, you know, if you're going to rebuild do it right really really mm -hmm. rip this thing all the way down and do it and i i give sam presti a lot of credit and we've seen when sam presti is picking at the top of the draft 
That's how you got Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. He doesn't usually miss. So we'll, we'll have to see, you know, what he can do now next time he's at the, the top of the draft. And they're going to have plenty of shots to be up there uh, coming forward in the next, uh, let's call it, you know, uh, what, six years? <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they've got, you know, all the picks you could ever have. All right. Phoenix Rising which is actually a soccer team. Um, The Suns, the landing spot of Chris Paul, proving to Devin Booker we're ready to win. They went 8-0 in the bubble, somehow still did not make the playoffs, but they left the season on a positive note. Now you're bringing in a veteran star point guard in Chris Paul, swapping out Ricky Rubio. He's gone. Kelly Oubre Jr. is gone. But there's a lot of talk in the Valley of of the Sun of the Suns finally making a return to the NBA playoffs. And you know what? As much as we can say, look, you don't want to be a treadmill team. You don't want to be stuck in the middle. You're either rebuilding or you're contending. Sometimes it's important to just get in the playoffs and then build from yeah. there. And that's that's what the Suns are doing. They're going for it. And I like it. Yeah, ain't no bubble run, right? That that's got them uh, got to have them coming back, brimming with confidence about what they did uh, there. Now, you know, some people are gonna you know say, well, they didn't play the best teams and all that. Sure, that's true. That's you know fine, but they still won all yep. those games. That's all that really matters. So yeah, I you know Chris Paul, you can't you know you can't knock that trade, right? That that thing's you know great to to get Chris Paul there. Then uh, resigning Javon Carter and Dario Saric, a couple important reserves for them. I think they did a good job too. They picked up. Uh, Cameron Payne's team option and Payne had played much better uh, with the Suns than he had played in most of his NBA career uh, prior to that so I think you know now you've got some depth behind Chris Paul so if you need to sit him some nights to keep him healthy you're looking pretty good and then I like the Jay Crowder addition quite a bit I think he really helps them as a 3-4 in that starting group Um, you know probably maybe he gets ultimately replaced by Cam Johnson who they really kind of found something with as a stretch four uh, playing there yeah and he you know that was uh, an interesting way to use him and i think they got a lot of mileage out of that and then each one more um you know pretty good backup shooter um there on a minimum contract jalen smith uh, that one i could have i don't understand that draft pick too too much i think that was an overdraft by you know a handful of picks but you know i mean we thought that last year with cam johnson when they moved back mm-hmm. and picked him and yeah. he ended up looking all right so let's you know we'll give him the benefit of the doubt that they at least got themselves a backup big man um there who can you know help out but yeah i, I think the suns team's going to be pretty good and i love the point you made too not everybody can be can be contending or tanking. You have to have those teams that are content to just be playoff teams. That does matter. That is important. Those things you'll make a difference to some teams. So I think um, you know the Suns getting into the postseason um, that would be huge for them because they haven't been there in a decade. Yo, you want to get Booker and Aiden that playoff experience. So, yeah, I'm 100% there that this is not a bad thing for the Suns to make these kind of all-in moves. Yeah, I've got people in the chat that are saying the Suns are going to be the 7 or 8 seed. They're going to lose to the Lakers or the Clippers in the first round. Okay, maybe, sure. right? But right. but what if things break right for them? What if things continue to click like they did in the bubble? What if Chris Paul can stay healthy? I know a lot of people are saying hamstring, but they're giving it a shot. And so what if they jump up yeah. to say the 6 seed? And what if they get into a series with, let's say, it's the Nuggets or Utah or or whoever, and it's a more even matchup for them than, say, the Clippers or the Lakers would be, 
and they go on a run. And next thing you know, they're in the second round. They get some positive momentum. And next thing you know, you've got free agents next offseason looking at them when they previously wouldn't have because they've got some positive momentum, some buzz behind them. This is how a team can make a leap. And you are proving yep. to Devin Booker that you will do what it takes to win right now because we were not far away from Devin Booker asking out of Phoenix. You knew that was going to come if they continued on the path they were on. So I don't blame them for attempting to prove to Devin Booker you can win right here in Phoenix. Yeah, you have to, right? If you have a guy who – Devin Booker is a true star. You know, this is a guy who he's probably going to push all NBA next year. And you've you got to do that. you got to make those moves that, that keep him happy and you want him to to come back. So, yeah, so I'm there with that one. I think, um, you know, the other thing that is important too here is DeAndre Ayton. I said this right after the trade. Chris Paul is going to scream and yell at him and make his life miserable uh, daily in practice and probably in some games. And DeAndre Ayton's going to come out the better side, a far better basketball player for it. You know, I think that's kind of going to be really important um, for him. So, yeah, I think, you know, they are set up now to be there. And you know what? What if they are the seventh or eighth seed and they lose to the Clippers or the Lakers in the first round? Who cares? They got there. Mm-hmm. That's all that really matters. And let's not forget, too, this year, because of the play-in tournament, you only got to get to 10 That's right. um, to be able to have that shot. And the Suns have showed they can win games under pressure with only a few games to do it. So, yeah, I think the Suns are going to be really, really uh, uh, interesting, you know, this year going forward. There, there it is. I think I've avoided saying, you know, they're going to be interesting. Um, quite, quite a <laughs> there bit. it is. Uh, <laughs> I tried not to say that, but it came out. Um, but, yeah. Start they, the drinking um, game. Know, I, I do. Yeah, that's it. You can start the drinking game or, you know, an hour in, you can get start getting blasted here. Um, you know, yeah, I think Chris Paul is is uh, really going to push this team forward and prove be, be uh, uh, to, to the best shot at the playoffs they've had in several years. You got to remember in the West, as much of a dogfight as it's going to be, you've got one playoff team at least in the Thunder that's going to be dropping out of the playoff mix. You've got another one potentially in Houston if they wind up moving Harden and Russell Westbrook there could be some some room for some upward momentum here for a team to kind of get into the mix that wasn't before. And Phoenix has got themselves positioned to do that. Um, let's let's go on to the team that I thought, you know, as much as we've given a lot of credit to the Lakers for the offseason they've had, and I, and I love the, the offseason the Lakers have had, I think quietly the team that's had a great offseason is the Portland Trailblazers. Picking up Robert Covington, my goodness, what an addition for them. He is exactly what they needed. You go, and I thought what an underrated steal was it was getting Harry Giles uh, on a minimum deal. Uh, they made some nice moves, and they brought back a guy like Carmelo Anthony, who was a feel-good story last season. You can question the Rodney Hood deal. If he's healthy, okay. But I think the Blazers made the right moves while keeping enough continuity to where they're going to be a handful next season. Yeah, the reason why they were such a mess, right? Everybody kind of liked them to challenge the Lakers Mm -hmm. in the first round. And then the reason why that that whole thing kind of became a mess is they had no depth. And once Damian Lillard went down, that was it. They were done. They they had nothing that they could do. I mean, no no offense against Yusuf Nurkic, who I think looked better in the bubble than anybody ever could have imagined. And then uh, C.J. McCollum played well. But this team just didn't have anything behind those those, uh, two, let's call it two and a half guys. And that's uh, being kind of – 
to Nurkic's time, you know, because he only really played the, you know, about what, 12 games ish or so um, in the entire time there. But yeah, I, I think, you know, adding depth absolutely was key. Um, Ennis Cantor played his best basketball of his career in Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's back there. He's going to be behind uh, Nurkic along with Harry Giles. Now you've got three centers. You know, you can go. If Nurkic needs a night off, you can go to the other two and you're going to be just fine. Um, they added uh, uh, Robert Covington, as you said, perfect fit for what they needed as a forward on this team guy who knows how to play without the ball. He defends, he rebounds. He's going to do all those things. Derek Jones Jr., um, they're just going to ask him, play defense and run the floor. That's all we need you to do. You know, do 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 what you do and do do it to the best of your ability. Rodney Hood was really good for them before he got hurt. I know there are a lot of people like two years, $20 million contract. But as we've learned now, and I have this tweet um, somewhere on my timeline, probably buried from yesterday, it's really only a one-year $10 million deal because that second year is basically fully non-guaranteed. Yeah. Um, so if he's not back, they can get out of that. And then bringing back Carmelo Anthony, I loved how good he was for this team last year. He really adopted that mindset of score and rebound, fine. I don't need the ball, you know, 30, 40, 50 times a game where I stand and hold it and do my thing. I just got to move, get open, you know, make jump shots, do my thing. Um, Yeah, I think this team needed depth in the worst possible way. They got a whole bunch of it. And now you're going to get Zach Collins back healthy. Maybe Anthony Simons develops, you know, into what we thought he might. And then Gary Trent Jr., what a find he was. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you've got now him coming off the bench too. Now all of a sudden Portland's got all sorts of guys and they should be really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, they are going to be a handful. Uh, let's go head over to the Sacramento Kings, another team that really didn't do a lot, <laughs> uh, aside from losing Bogdan Bogdanovich for for nothing. Um, God, okay, so I, I guess that's that's the drama of the Bogdanovich deal is the big thing, right? That's that's the main talking point here. They didn't really do a whole lot in terms of other transactions. They lost some pieces, Alex Len, Harry Giles, uh, you know, other pieces like that, Ken Bazemore, yeah. but. It's the Bogdanovich thing and what a mess that became for the Kings. It would have been much, much better if they had negotiated a sign and trade. They tried to with the Bucks. The NBA caught wind of it. It was not the way to go about things. Uh, tampering police were alerted and now they had to let him walk away for nothing or they made the decision. Keith, did they, when it got to that point, the Hawks signed Bogdanovich that offer sheet. Was that the right decision for the Kings or do you think they should have hung on to him? No, I would have kept them. Hey, it was a perfectly reasonable number. Mm-hmm. $18 million a year for him for the next four years with a player option. You know, the Hawks, when you do an offer sheet, you need to make it, you need a one, you need to overpay the guy a little bit, and you need to put in things like player options and trade bonuses and all these things that make it uncomfortable for the incumbent team to match. And I think what you saw the Hawks do was they did that, but I don't think they really overpaid Bogdanovich by that much. I'm perfectly happy to pay him $18 million Mm -hmm. a a year for what he is as a scorer. I think for the first two, three years of that, he can be a very good starter. You'll get you somewhere between 15 to 20 points a game and a little bit of playmaking. And then, you know, the last year or two of that contract, he shifts to a bench roll. And again, now he's probably 10 to 15 points a game in a bench roll. I think this is a guy who's really tough. He's done nothing but um, outside of the NBA, but play in big games and make big plays uh, for um, for his teams on the national level. So I think, you know, Bogdanovich is just, hey, I don't understand this one from the Kings side, why they let it go. And that just seems like, um, you know, they didn't want to get stuck with too many guys in that backcourt because they drafted Tyrese Halliburton, mm-hmm. who I know they like quite a bit. And I think that's a great pick. 
for them. When he fell in the draft, I was like, oh, man, Sacramento got a really good player. Um, I think he fits as a really good uh, kind of a the third guard in that three-guard rotation with De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald. But you could have played Bogdanovich at the three. You don't have to play him in the backcourt. You could have played him at the three. You could have figured this out. And if nothing else, you could have traded him later. So I think they completely blew that decision to match on him. Um, the whole signing trade with the Bucks. You know, I've, I tell you this all the time, whether it be here on the show or in private. I don't care about the tampering stuff. It doesn't. Yeah. It's stupid. Everybody does it. But you can't start arranging signing trades with a restricted free agent a week before free agency. Not starts. publicly. You can't anyway. do that. Yeah, that's way too blatant mm-hmm. of saying we don't really care about the rules. You know, when it's uh, you know, when it's you know, all these things. You also you, you can't be going and talking, you know, contracts with guys who have multiple years left with teams and those kind of things. That's where it bothers me. But when it's, you know, it, all you had to do is just, you know, kind of keep your mouth shut for another couple of weeks. I can't wait. I I you know, it'll be maybe shortly after the first of the year. We're going to get that story because there's some good reporters that are yep. tied in to those teams. Sam Amick, uh, chief among them, I think he'll be the one who ultimately gets the story because uh, he knows the Kings org better than just about anybody. We're going to get that story of where that fell apart. Who said who talked? Was it the Bucks? Was it the Kings? Was it Bogdanovich? Was it one of the other guys who was being traded for Bogdanovich? Who let that get out there? And that's why, you know, the NBA had to step in Mm -hmm. and say, absolutely not. There was even rumors the NBA was going to pull one of theirs. They don't do this very often, but you're not going there. Yeah, that's not happening. You two are not allowed to make that deal um, for him. So there there were some rumors that that might have been the way this came down. Clearly, it didn't get to all that. But yeah, just, you know, the Kings, I mean, it's. I want to have faith. It's a brand new front office. I want to believe that they are you know, moving in a different direction. And maybe they do know something better that we don't know um, about letting Bogdanovich go. But I just, I don't know. I just don't like like this. And the sad part is, I like guys on this team still. I love De'Aaron Fox. Mm-hmm. I think he's great. I still think Buddy Heald's better than what a lot of other people seem to think. Harrison Barnes is fine in his role now with what he is. Marvin Bagley Jr., if he ever gets healthy, or Marvin Bagley the third rather, ever gets healthy, you know, he he would be really good. So yeah, I just, you know, and I liked and I love the Hal Burton pick. I just I don't know. It's another confusing year for the Kings, and we don't know what the hell this team's gonna be. Marvin Bagley, who's also known as not not Luca. I mean, that's that's the challenge, right? Yeah. It, it, can he really get going? Can he push the Kings to the next level? This is the team that it feels like, hey, they're on the verge of making the playoffs. We've been saying them about saying that about them for a couple of seasons now, and now it's gotten to the point where we just kind of expect them to not make it. So who knows? Maybe now that we're all expecting nothing out of them, then they're going to somehow break through. But right now, I think it doesn't look great. Um, let's talk about a team that tends to not make a lot of big, flashy moves. We heard their name pop up a ton in rumors, and lo and behold, they didn't make any big flashy moves. The (laughs) the San Antonio Spurs really didn't do a whole lot. I still think we might see a DeMar DeRozan and or LaMarcus Aldridge trade at some point because this team pretty much needs to, feels like they need to rebuild anyway after not making the playoffs for the first time in, what was it, 20 years, I believe it was? 22? Something Uh, crazy like that. Something yeah, like that, yeah. but uh, but San Antonio, kind of a just meh off season. A lot more of the same from them. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm gonna go slightly different. Okay, on that with you. Um, yeah, they did. They they didn't do a lot. Yeah. Um, but I like Devin Vassell. I think sure. that's a good draft pick. 
for them. I do. I mean, did they need yet another, you know, six foot six guy, um, you know, who can shoot the ball? I mean, I know that's where the league's kind of going, but man, this team is uh, you know, loaded with guys like that. Derek White, DeJounte Murray, Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson, and now Devin Vassell, yet another one. Um, I really think Jakob Pertl, that's one of the best contracts of the offseason. Um, you know, uh, three three years, about twenty seven million or so. Um, that's fantastic for the Spurs. They, they, you know, this guy. If you look, go go to his basketball reference page. Look, go, you know, scroll down just a little bit to the per thirty six numbers, because um, he doesn't. He didn't start a lot mm-hmm. for the Spurs. He, he and he, Lamarcus Aldridge played a lot of minutes in the middle. Look at Pirtle's numbers per thirty six, and you can project out to this guy being nightly double double and one of the league leaders in block shots. I think. He he is really, really good. Drew Eubanks, they re-signed. He was a two-way guy for a couple years. Now now they're bringing him up. That, that's okay. They might have found something there. But, yeah, I mean, they're going to go back into it with largely the same roster. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to look pretty similar to what they did the year before because it's basically Devin Vassell in there kind of replacing Bellinelli and Bryn Forbes. And then we'll see what happens. I have my doubts that they'll trade Aldridge and DeRozan in season. Maybe right. they do. They typically um, don't. I just – I. Yeah, exactly. The Spurs rarely make in-season trades, um, you know, and then they'll expire at the end of the year and they'll move on um, after that. I thought, uh, you know, I thought they might have, you know, moved Rudy Gay or Patty Mills when the Warriors had the um, the Iguodala trade mm-hmm. exception. I thought those guys might have helped out Golden State some. But, yeah, the Spurs didn't, didn't do a whole heck of a lot. So, you know, we're, we're going to see, you know, where they, uh, you know, ultimately move this thing forward. But, you know, right now they're, they're going to be pretty much the same, which is, Another team that'll be pretty good, probably right around playoff contention. Maybe they duck into the playoff tournament, play-in tournament. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Maybe, maybe they're just outside of it, and it's another you know couple years before they're back firmly in the playoff mix. The Spurs are one of those teams that can beat you on any random Wednesday night, but yep. I don't think anybody's expecting them to make a lot of noise given their current current mm-hmm. roster construction. And the conference is so deep yes. now, too. They, they, there's no easy wins for them to rack up. Right. Uh, moving on, another team that didn't do a whole heck of a lot, but maybe they don't need to. Maybe all they need is a healthy Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, that certainly would have made a big difference for them come playoff time. He was their, I believe, second leading scorer. The Utah Jazz, again, not a ton of moves here, but they did have a few. Uh, bringing back Derek Favors. Bringing him back in town. What do you think, Keith? Yeah, back. Um, I don't know. I don't really love this one. Yeah. Um, I, I I get it. He's better than Tony Bradley, who was the backup to uh, Rudy Gobert. So I, I understand. I know the, the Jazz had a lot of uh, success with uh, favors started at the four and then was essentially Gobert's backup as well. Um, he would slide over to the five when Gobert was out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he looked so bad during the restart. He just looked slow. He wasn't moving well. Well, um, so I'm just I'm worried about what he may be, um, you know, but maybe there was something going on. But we'll give it the benefit of the doubt and, you know, assume team, no team knows how to use him better than the uh, than the um, the Jazz do. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, he, he's going to be OK for them. Um, you know, I they think, uh, you know, he'll be good. They, their big thing was they got Donovan Mitchell inked to the uh, rookie scale extension of the five years. He did get a player option on that. Um, We'll talk about that with Jason Tatum too. Those have kind of come back after years and years of no one getting player options on those rookie scale extensions. Mitchell did get one. Um, So, you know, for at least four more years after this season, that does not start this year, starts next year. That's how the rookie scale extensions work. Um, But yeah, I think they're, 
kind of going to be the same. But yeah, Bogdanovich being back healthy, that's huge for them because mm-hmm. that, that'll really help them when they get into the uh, into the season and into the playoffs because he was very, very good for the Jazz. Yeah, I definitely expect this to be a playoff team. Inking Donovan Mitchell is a big yeah. deal. Uh, what about Rudy Gobert moving forward? Yeah, that one's tough because he's due for an extension too. Um, or he could play it out and go into free mm-hmm. agency next year. I think I, my guess is unless he's really kind of willing to do something that seems a little more team friendly um, towards the Jazz, that this one will just play out and then he'll get free agency next year. And then, then we'll see because it can be sometimes hard for those top end bigs to get paid. The middle of the pack bigs are always getting, you know, 10 million a season from somebody make Mason Plumley. We're going to finally talk about that nonsense in a couple of minutes, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you know, go, go bear. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, you just got to kind of watch it and see, you know, ultimately where, uh, where this, uh, you know, lands out with him. But yeah, I, I think, you know, it's, that one's tough. Cause I, I would probably do a new contract for him and feel pretty good about it. Cause how, how old is, what is he now? He's going to be 27 ish and they're in just 28. So, yeah, that's not the end of the world. You know, if you give him another four-year contract, take him into his mid, mm-hmm. mid-30s mid um, there. So, yeah, it's just I, – I don't know. I just don't know that that's where the Jazz, you know, want to go right now. I'm sure they would rather have him than not, but I think that one drags into next offseason. Keith, that wraps up the Western Conference. We are at an Ooh, hour and yeah. a half into our show here, and we're just now at the halfway point. Of course, we had the intro, and there were a few teams with some pretty uh, pretty deep list of, uh, of transactions here, but – Let's head east and let's jump over. Let's, let's soldier on. Let, let's move. <laughs> let's move on. We're going to keep pushing forward and let's start off with the team that I affectionately call Suns East, the Atlanta Hawks. Another squad that was out of the playoffs last season. They have a good young star they're building around in Trey Young, and they are going for it. They made some win now moves this off season to really try to to make this playoff push. Uh, adding Danilo Gallinari, that's a, that's a big get for them. Rajon Rondo coming in as well. And of course, getting Bogdanovich away from the Sacramento Kings. Keith, I, I kind of like it. Again, the Hawks coming out here, being aggressive, making moves. And I think I think they should be a solid playoff team next season if everything works out for them. I I think so. I, I think um, he will be. I think uh, they will be a playoff team, but we'll see. I'm not going to say solid. Um, I, I think they're they're now firmly in the mix mm-hmm. in the East, but but I I don't know that they actually get there. It's it's going to be pretty close. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think the worry I have now with the Hawks, which is weird, they went from not having enough NBA guys to now they might have too many. Um, you know, they're when you add Bogdanovich, Gallinari. Um, Rondo and Dunn, those are the main ones, and then Onyeka Kongwu in the draft. Now you've kind of got what? What do you do? Because I can't. I imagine Bogdanovich is going to start. I think Gallinari would probably want to start. Mm-hmm. So does that push um, DeAndre Hunter and Kevin Herter to the bench? Um, you know, Herter's been nothing but a starter um, there in Atlanta. Cam Reddish was one. One of your key backup wings now does that push him into that kind of fifth wing spot gallo's more of a four than he is a, a three at this point so what, what do you do with him around um you know john collins at the four spot i kind of am still wondering is collins on the move um no extension yet for him that's that's not the end of the world you still got you know roughly a month to get that hammered out but what, what do you do with uh with john collins are you gonna um extend him he wants big money he wants a near max he's not gonna get that um, you know, but what do you do? But yeah, it's it, it's interesting. I think they're certainly better. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to say that they're not. 
I just think, you know, you have the potential um, now. Lloyd Pierce and a member of his staff every single night is going to have to have a hard conversation with somebody because they didn't play. They're, there's just not enough minutes to go around for all the guys that they've got because the guys that they're bringing back, Capella, Collins, uh, Hunter, Herder, Reddish, uh, Trey, uh, clearly Trey Young, um, those are guys all, all play and play a lot. And then you added a whole bunch of guys behind them that are going to probably need to play a lot. You can get it kind of away with, I think, Rondo. You know, will you, you tell him, well, we'll see you when the playoffs start. Um, and like Chris Dunn get those minutes. But, yeah, it's I, I'm, I am curious to see how this all ultimately shakes out rotation-wise for Atlanta. Hey, Keith, you know, what you're, what you're talking about, though, is – I mean, it's a good problem to have. You have too many yeah, NBA players. Like, how many teams would kill to have? Hey, I've got, I've got too many good players to put in into my lineup. Gosh, I hate that. You know, I, I think that it's a, it is a problem, right? In terms of managing the egos, managing uh, the team's chemistry. So it absolutely can be a negative thing. But just in terms of talent, I like that the upgrade. I like the upgrades that they've had. And if you look at their starting five potentially, and I know there's some pieces you could move in and out of there. They're all solid players. Now we have yet to see whether or not they'll all fit together. That's certainly a, a question mark and something that we can we can wonder. But Overall, I just kind of like that the Hawks said, okay, well, we've got this guy who's really good in Trey Young, and we're going to go for it here. Maybe Collins does get moved, but I think that they've got enough, in my mind anyway, enough just in terms of firepower to make a little bit of noise. I'm not saying they'll contend, but at least to, to get into that playoff mix. Yeah, that's it. You know, they're they're finally going to be be there, which is good because they haven't been there, right? You know, and that's a, the the important thing. I mean, it's not they're not the Suns, right? They they don't have a decade long playoff drought by any means. It's it's only been a couple years sure. for Atlanta that they've been down and out. But but yeah, I th- I think they're gonna um you know get kind of kind of um, moving things forward a little bit, and that that'll be where they will um you know get get this thing going because I think they are in a uh, you know pretty good place as far as having good young talent. They just need to build it up and i and i think that's going to be really really important uh for this team now is is putting these guys in positions where normally i would say march and april i think it's more like april and may they're playing meaningful games to try and push to the playoffs versus kind of hanging out um you know hanging back Mm -hmm. on that i i think that is you know really important there because you don't want to be in position where you don't uh where these guys have never played meaningful games so yeah and um you know a couple people uh, said in the chat that they heard Travis Schlink today and, and when introducing Gallinari said he's he's agreed to come off the bench, which that's oh. that's huge okay. for them because that allows probably, I imagine, DeAndre Hunter is kind of the designated defender in that opening mm-hmm. group to stay in the starting five. I think that is really, really important. Yeah, that's certainly one side of the floor. That is a question mark for them. Uh, it's the, the defensive side. I do like Chris Dunn there, especially like you said. You can tell yeah. you can tell Rondo, hey, we've we've seen regular season Rondo. we'll pass on that just show up when playoff rondo is here and uh and we'll be all good so i think that chris don helps mitigate that but uh, keith let's move on let's go to you let's go to your team the boston celtics aka fingers crossed for a gordon hayward trade exception um how big keith how big of a loss is hayward really like really like i mean i know he's been he's been in and out right the celtics have gotten by without him but is it still a huge loss for them in terms of what they can do on the floor? Yeah, you can make the case that this team knows how to play and win without yes. him because they clearly do. They've done that, you know, time and time again throughout his time in Boston, um, including you know getting to e- two Eastern Conference finals largely without uh, Hayward available. Mm-hmm. But 
when he did play, especially this past season, they were so good um, with him. His number, 17, 7, and 5 on really good shooting percentages. He was just shy of being a 50, 40, 90 guy. That's that's yeah. That's I didn't yeah. I didn't realize that his numbers were that good. That's why I said wow, like that. Yeah. That's better than than I <laughs> realized don't. he had right. he had put put together. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, really, really good. And I think you know if he was not the fourth option, if he was the second or third option, he's you know twenty nine and six seven. Um, you know, and maybe maybe the shooting goes down a little bit because he's maybe not getting quite as many open shots. But but yeah, it, it's massive. That's a huge loss now. What they're kind of doing, similar to other teams we talked about, is it's a little bit of a rebalancing here um, with with this team. They're going to get a little bit cheaper, mm-hmm. or not a little bit, a lot cheaper, I should say, You know, because Hayward was going to be on the books for $34 million if he had opted in. So now he's going to go out. They're trying to negotiate with the Charlotte Hornets so that it gets ultimately set up as a sign-and-trade. And we'll talk more about it from the Hornets' side, what yeah. they need to do um, on their side to, to be able to make this whole thing together. Because then what Boston does and how a trade exception works is you let's say Hayward signs for 30 million. They get their $30 million trade exception because assuming they take no money back in that trade, you can then use that trade exception for up to one year to take in a player who makes up to 30 million in a trade. Right. Can't sign somebody, um, but you can trade for them or you could do a waiver claim. So if somebody surprisingly got claimed that had a massive con or uh, waived that has a massive contract, you could claim them. So so that's you know, what, what you're looking to do if you're the Celtics. Um, you want to have that because that's a good piece of flexibility to have going forward to be able to add to your roster, whether it be this year or down the line. Um, but yeah, they rebounded Tristan Thompson. I really love that yes. addition. For them, they needed a big man like that. That's what they did not have was that big who could bang bodies. But Thompson, um, I think, you know, he's kind of gotten forgotten a couple last couple of years because Cleveland's been bad. But he was really, really key to the Cavs finals teams because of his ability to switch, his ability to hold his own out on the perimeter against the guards and those kind of things. He's a little older now, but he can still do those things. He can really rebound. Um, now Celtics fans don't need to watch him three or four times a year kill them on the glass, which right. is good. You know, that's a little bonus here. Um, Jeff Teague was added as, you know, kind of the veteran backup. He replaces Brad Wanamaker. Um, I think that was important. I think they wanted somebody who's a little bit more experienced mm-hmm. and steady. Behind Kemba Walker, I think you're going to see Kemba Walker sit a good amount of games this coming season as they attempt to keep him uh, ready for the postseason. And then at the draft, Aaron Neesmith and Pitt, Peyton Pritchard. Um, Neesmith, you know, that fits in the mold of they really needed a shooter um, on the wing. Somebody who's a knockdown guy, that's been Neesmith's game his entire life, is as a shooter. And then Peyton Pritchard, that's he becomes their kind of developmental point guard project. He's tough. He, he can hit shots. Um, he really gets after it defensively, so he kind of really fits that Danny Ainge mold of a guard who's just going to be kind of a pest and is going to annoy you um, when he's out there. So, yeah, it's a, it's a transition year, but they inked Jason Tatum to the five-year max extension. That was the single most important thing they needed to do this offseason. It got done. He's got a player option on the end of it, but it's fine. You know, that that's, you know, just the way these things are going clearly mm-hmm. um, for guys like him and Mitchell who are true superstars at their age. But yeah, they're, they're still, they're still going to be good. You know, I've seen some people, oh, they're going to be, you know, six or seven seed. No, like, they're not. That's, not that's nonsense. You know, I mean, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown alone are good enough to keep them in the top half of the conference. It's just, you know, there's just going to be a little bit different team. And we'll ultimately see if this, you know, mix fits a little bit better together. And, you know, do Brown and Tatum take even another mini leap 
without Hayward, you know, on the roster, mm-hmm. you know, what does that look? Yeah, and you know what? I, I think you're right that a lot of people underrate Tristan Thompson. Number two in the NBA in offensive boards last season. He is a guy who can really get it down on the glass. And frankly, that's something that the Celtics were missing. So it's not only that he's just a solid player, he's a solid player that is the skill set that they needed. So in that regard, they'll be better. Yes, I do think they'll they'll uh, they'll miss Hayward, but the important business, of course, making sure they have Jason Tatum now locked up for the future. So I think the Celtics are in a, a, an interesting spot heading into next season. There we go. Interesting. I got it. <laughs> um yeah yeah there it is you're, you're picking it up for me let's go <laughs> let's jump over to a team that i mean for all the offseason moves that they made the brooklyn nets the important thing is a healthy Kyrie irving and a healthy kevin durant those are guys they're essentially adding compared to last season um didn't make any big trades yet we've heard them as a potential landing spot for james harden they do have those those interesting pieces that they could move on from. They've got uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Jarrett Allen, players like that. Re-inked Joe Harris, got a big, big deal. But you know what? Shooting comes at a premium. I think the Nets are are locked and loaded. They're pretty much ready to go try to make a run this next season. Who knows how all the pieces are going to fit? But the talent is certainly there. Yeah, that's it. Right right there at the end. They've got all sorts of talent, but how's it going to fit? Kyrie and KD, they clearly slot into the starting five. I assume Joe Harris, because he's basically a perfect fit around those two, um, moves in there. And then you'll have somebody at the four, maybe Torian Prince, maybe uh, Rodian Skurks. Um, you know, is is that guy? You know, we'll, we'll see uh, how that comes together uh, for this group. And then you know, Jared Allen and, and DeAndre Jordan, uh, they'll kind of split the minutes up front. But then that puts Dinwiddie and Lavert on the bench, most likely. And what I worry about there is they, I'm less worried with Dinwiddie because he was a big part of uh, doing the whole recruiting to get Kyrie mm-hmm. and KD to Brooklyn. So I think he knows if Kyrie's there, he's you know going to to the bench. Um, but Lavert, Lavert was the man in the bubble. Um, Lavert was the man for a lot of this season for this team, you know, especially after Kyrie went down. You know, how does he, you know, go back to being a lesser role? Is, is he is he able to do that? Um, you know, and that that's why you know I get the whole idea of you know maybe there's a trade in there to start packaging packaging together these guys to go get James Harden. Now that could make make a big difference. I do like some of their additions though. I think Jeff Green, yo, he could be the starting four man for this team. You really kind of played well for Houston that I don't think a lot of people fully noticed. Uh, Bruce Brown Jr., you know I love that kid. I think he's a you know really solid uh, uh, defensive wing, can do a little bit of playmaking. His shot is you know a little come and go, but but we'll see. And then Landry Shamet, you know, I think he is a pretty uh, good shooter for this team, and he's going to certainly have one of the best in the league to learn from in Joe Harris. So I think that is uh, you know something that's important for him there too. I just... Yo, this is another team where, you know, the depth is great because I don't think they're going to push KD and Kyrie too too hard too early. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, when you're in the playoffs, only five guys can be on the floor when it's crunch time. And the Nets feel like they might have seven or eight who think that they should be. Yeah, that's true. But again, we go back to, you know, like the Hawks, good problem to have. You've got a number of pieces that, that can be in there. But again, team chemistry, especially on a Kyrie team, you know, that that could maybe be a bit of an issue for them. Overall, I do still wonder, though, if, you know, the, the temptation to, to make a move is going to be so strong to add in a third piece and to use those guys, Jared Allen, to use uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, some of these other guys to go try to bring in a third star level player. And if James Harden will eventually land, with the Brooklyn Nets, as has been rumored. I think that could change things up quite a bit there in Brooklyn. But you know what? This Nets team, 
They're they're certainly looking better than they did last season just by having KD and Kyrie healthy. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree with you. It's um, you know, they're, they're going to be clearly very very good. I'm, I'm not uh, one of these people who says you know oh, they're you know we'll we'll see. Um, no, they're clearly going to be a very good team. I just you know I'm not penciling them in to win the East like like so many others seem to be. All right, let's jump over to the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, big, big season uh, acquisition for them, off-season acquisition for them. Getting Gordon Hayward. Uh, what do you think about the price? Four years for Gordon Hayward, $120 million. It feels like it's a lot. Frankly, I was surprised he turned down his deal with the Celtics. He turned down that player option because I didn't think a deal like that was out there for him, and yet... Here we are, the Charlotte Hornets, they pay up. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And then, of course, bringing in LaMelo Ball. Yeah, my first thoughts are Mark Bartlestein. His agent stays winning anytime they one of his guys returns down a player option. Mm-hmm. He seems surprised by it. He's he's got it somewhere else. You know, they're, they're getting that money back, and that's exactly what, what he did. So, you know, I think if you're a Hornets, you need to overpay to get free agents. You, you can't, you know, guys don't just go there. Um, you know, so you got to kind of overpay to get these free agents. So I think that is really um, important to them to get a, you know, a wing with size that can come in and play. This team's got all kinds of forwards. Um, they've got all kinds of guards. What they didn't have was a wing with size. So, so I think that's, um, you know, important for them um, there. LaMelo ball, you know, he may be the best player in this draft. We'll see kind of slid, down after mm-hmm. you know Anthony Edwards went one, the Warriors went with the big man. I think Ball landed in a really good place. I think um, you know oddly enough, I think Hayward's kind of a guy he can learn from as far as um, learning a little bit of patience and how to play at the NBA level because that is uh, maybe Hayward's uh, signature uh, strength as he plays with great personal pace. Um, there they resigned Bismack Biombo. You know, great. Who cares? You know, that's a backup or third string center. That's probably not going to mean all that much. So yeah, I think. You know, if Hayward can be healthy, the Hornets put themselves in the mix for the 10 seed and getting into the play-in. Now, the challenge is, can Hayward be healthy? He told us right before the restart, I still have constant pain in my leg. And that is worrisome because if that is true, um, and what he basically said is it's just it is what it is. I have to deal with it, and it occasionally may cause me to miss games. And if that is what it's going to be, I'm having flashbacks to, and this may be uh, too too old, you know, for some of the people in the chat. But to Grant Hill with the oh, Magic, where the Magic yeah. signed Grant Hill with that injury, and mm-hmm. then he was never healthy, right. he never made it all the way through. If that happens, the Hornets are going to be saddled with arguably the worst contract in the NBA at you know an average annual value of thirty million dollars a year. So that's it's a big risk for Charlotte. That's a big big number, and I I just I don't know. I hope it works out. For them, I hope it works out for Hayward because it certainly didn't work the way everybody had hoped for in Boston. But yeah, and then to touch on the trade exception piece, yeah. what's going on here is they don't have enough cap space to sign Hayward to that number. You know, all right. So what they need to do is they either need to wave and stretch Nicholas Batum uh, or Nicola Batum, if I want to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> um, you know, wave, wave and stretch him. Um, or they they work a trade where they move some money off the books, and then I would probably involve Boston as a three team trade, um, and the Celtics would get the big trade exception. Now, there's a lot of people saying, why would Charlotte do this just to help Boston out? Well, if Charlotte can get paid in a small asset in terms of a second round pick or even a couple of yeah. them, you, it's just good business. It doesn't you hurt do them. this all the time. 
yeah, that's how uh, Danilo Gallinari went to the Atlanta Hawks mm-hmm. from the Thunder because Lord knows they needed uh, more you know assets to work with. Uh, but it's also how uh, Jeremy Grant. Um, we talked about that. You know, it feels like hours upon hours ago to the Detroit Pistons. Um, that's how he got there. The Nuggets got a trade exception, so that's just kind of the way you do business. If you can, if you can get something small out of it, you do it and uh, you keep it moving forward. So that's what's going on. That's what's being figured out. They want to find a third home and avoid stretching Nikola Batum's. Um, uh, you know, $27 million contract right. at about $9 million a year, or if they can't, um, they, they, you know, they want to move it off entirely or they want to, you know, do something else to clear the space if they can. Yeah. Yep. And if they can do it great, if not, if not, and that's what really gets me. Let's say they do wind up having to stretch Batum. Now you're talking about realistically your cap hit for Hayward. It's not 30 million anymore. <laughs> now it's that 30 million plus stretching Batum. So you're looking yep. at like 39 ish million per season for Gordon Hayward. Man, that is a high price to pay. That's that's tough. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, that's insane. All right, let's jump to I mean, the that's uh, just crazy. The Chicago Bulls. Not a whole lot to say. I mean, this we should be able to fly through this. They drafted Patrick Williams. Maybe a little bit of surprise. I believe he went number four. Other yep. than that, they lost Chris Dunn and Shaq Harrison, picked up Garrett Temple. They got a new deal for Denzel Valentine. They got a new coach in. That's about it. Yep. <laughs> that's, that, that's about it. Yeah. The Bulls, um, all along, what they needed most is health. They, they need those main guys to be healthy because mm-hmm. they still don't know what they have. They've never really seen, um, you know, Carter. Uh, Markinen, Levine, and Kobe White played together because they're always been been out and been missing uh, time. So I think it is really important um, for those guys to get get those guys together and uh, you know get them on the floor and re- really see you know how they can put put this thing together moving forward because that's what they got to do. You, you're in a spot now if you're Chicago where you, you that's what your most thing is. Patrick Williams though, there's a lot of people looked at his stat line. And we're like, what's the deal with this kid? Right. And, you know, nine points a game. He didn't start. Florida State was a bit of a weird team. They had a lot of guys. Um, so his role was not to score a ton and put up huge stats and all those things. So so if you're kind of wondering about Patrick Williams, this guy is um, he's he's a good athlete. He can really play. You know, I think he is going to be really um, important for the Bulls um, long term because that's what they didn't have. They've got guards and they've got bigs. They didn't have that kind of win, athletic wing forward because Otto Porter has never been healthy. So I think it is going to be you know, really important um, for them with uh you know patrick williams to be out there and then garrett temple their loan free agent addition that's fine as a good veteran guy he's a guy who really helps in the locker room i think he's going to be pretty solid Mm -hmm. i think it'll be really um you know pretty good all right let's move over to the new home of javel mcgee the cleveland cavaliers (laughs) so the Cavs bring in javel they do lose and the extent yeah that's their (laughs) offseason that's right at the end (laughs) no they 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 lose tristan thompson He's finally on his on yep. his way out, um, but yeah, I mean, not a whole lot of moves here for the for the Cavs. But again, there weren't a ton of moves for them to make, so I, I don't know. I mean, they, I guess good for them for getting a second round pick for absorbing Javale's contract. Um, but other than that, the Cavs are kind of they're kind of still the Cavs. Yeah, they, they needed a backup five with Thompson out of town, yeah. so I kind of get it. You know, there there's still a lot of belief around the league. Andre Drummond will finish the season on the Cavs. Um, may, maybe they can move him along. Um, I like their draft pick, Isaac yes. Coro. Yeah, I, I should have mentioned he was him. A, uh, 
you know, good, good, uh, good pick for them. You know, good, uh, again, another wing with size on there. That's not something that they had. Kevin Porter Jr. Fortunately, he's going through some legal stuff off the court right now. So, so we'll see what ultimately happens with him. But, um, you know, I think Okoro fits pretty good alongside Sexton and Garland in that backcourt. But yeah, they're not, not a lot to do for this team. It's about those young guys growing for growing um, and improving. And then, you know, uh, things start to clear up cap sheet wise here in another year or so when Drummond expires and Kevin Love starts to move another year later into his contract. That's when things will start to look a little bit different in Cleveland. But, you know, Damian Dotson, he's a guy people liked Mm -hmm. um, on occasion when he flashed with the Knicks. So that's a good uh, flyer for them to take. He could give them some scoring off the bench potentially. But the guys they lost other than Thompson, who's been there forever for his entire NBA career, um, you didn't lose all that much. No. You know, uh, Jordan Bell um, already waived by the Lakers, you know, after they acquired him, Alfonso McKinney, you know, that, that, that the whole thing there was, that was just moving salaries around. That's not really a basketball um, ability trade. So yeah, I, you know, not, not much, you know, from the Cavs, but, you know, Isaac Okoro, that's, you know, kind of what your hopeful floor pops out of this offseason. And uh, now I would a team that did everything. Oh, yes. Yeah, the, the Detroit Pistons, my goodness. So many <laughs> transactions, but I still, I feel like I can't forgive the Pistons for letting go of Christian Wood. What are you doing, Pistons? Yeah. Why would you, why would you do that? But I'm they gonna... do, but they do wind up being a landing spot for Jeremy Grant. Um, so they pick him up, who I like. I like him a lot. They take a flyer on Josh Jackson, which why not? Jalil Okafor, same yeah. thing. Why not? Uh, they played it. Then they also paid a bunch of money to Mason Plumley. It's this mixed bag where you're like, <laughs> "All right, Pistons, good job, good." Job. No, what are you doing? Why? They, yep. it's they're the roller coaster team. Yeah, and it was funny too, kind of the way it came down, right? We all had a lot of laughs on Twitter because it was like, "Big man, big man, big man, big man." It was like, "What is happening <laughs> here?" Then they started to balance it out uh-huh. a little bit as the week uh, went along. But yeah, it's I like Jeremy Grant. I like him as a player. I just don't understand what his fit is on on the Detroit Pistons. I that one day you know, at twenty million dollars a year. I don't know that I really get it. Dwayne Dedman traded for him, immediately waved and stretched him. And now just after they finally stopped having money on the books for uh, Josh Smith, now they've got 2.8 million yep. on the books for Dwayne Dedman for the next five seasons. Um, you know, so that that's a little, you know, one that's a little tough to to swallow there. Josh Jackson played better for the Grizzlies than I think a lot of people realize. Um, you know, maybe he's finally figuring things out in his career. Uh, you know, but Plumley, I said it you know, a long time ago, but this is like a baseball team spending a lot of money on a good closer mm-hmm. what do you need to spend a lot of money on a backup center for and that's even if he does start for this team they only have four guys coming back from last year's team uh blake griffin Derek rose svi mckay luke i know lakers fans love that yep. guy and uh Sefu Dumboya. that's it you know that, now it's all all new guys coming in i do like killian hayes their draft pick he's going to be their point guard of the future i do like sadiq bay I think he's really good. I think he slipped further in the draft than he should have. I liked Isaiah Stewart. I think he just got drafted a little higher than I wanted to see him and get picked. But I do like him. He's a but he's another big, you know, bouncy big with energy. They got DeLon Wright, who I did, to me, Killian Hayes is the point guard of the future. They've got Derrick Rose picking up DeLon Wright. Says to me, Derrick Rose will be on the move at some point. And that'll be, uh, you know, kind of kind of the way they go um, forward with this. So, yeah, you know, overall, though, I think the, the Pistons did some did some, uh, you know, wild stuff here that a lot of it, as you're looking across this, just that doesn't fully make sense. And I don't know that they're done. Yeah, they, they might not be. I mean, look, could, could Blake Griffin be on his way out of town? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he could be. He could be. You know, I think. Um, 
you know, he, he could be in at some, you know, but challenges, that's a big, big, big It's a big, big I could see Derek, so. I think Derek Rose is certainly the easier one to move. I think he makes about seven and a half million. Um, so he's in an easier to move contract and I would expect them to try to make a move there. I think that he'll be very available, but uh, you're right. Only four guys coming back and a few of those guys could be moved. So Pistons are going to look very different if nothing else. But like I said, kind of a mixed bag in terms of the moves that they made this off season. Um, let's move it. You know, the Indiana Pacers for all the rumors there were about, Oh, you know, they're shipping out Turner and they're going to get Hayward and all this is going to, they didn't really end up doing a whole heck of a lot. They mostly have the same team coming back, which that's, you know what? Hey, consistency and chemistry does matter in the NBA. So they could wind up being better off for it, but it's just, it's not an off season. That was all that remarkable for them because they really didn't make very many moves here. Yeah, re-signed Justin Holiday, uh, re-signed Jakar Sampson, and then they shipped out T.J. Leaf for Jalen LeCue. Uh, T.J. Leaf, you know, never really made it in Indiana. Um, that was really a move designed to create some more room under the luxury tax for the Pacers because after they re-signed Holiday, they were a lot closer to the tax than they want to be. And Kevin Pritchard said it today that they tried as hard as they could to get Gordon Hayward. And what, you know, kind of has been coming out is once that moved to $120 million versus $100 million, then mm-hmm. the price tag got to be too much for the Pacers. That and Danny Ainge was driving you know, a hard uh, push of, I don't think Danny Ainge really wanted Miles Turner. You know, that seems to be what we're starting to hear now is why yeah. he was like, all right, I know I got to take Turner because he's the big salary match, but that's why you know I want Warren or I want Oladipo because Turner's just not enough. Now, did they blow that? That kind of depends on your opinion of Miles Turner. Right. You know, I don't, I don't know, you know how how people feel, you know, about him. But yeah, it is one of those things where, you know, for the Pacers, they're kind of doing what they do a lot of years. They're going to look pretty similar. A lot of their success will depend on Victor Oladipo. Does he get back yes. to the player he was? Because he clearly wasn't that guy last year. But if he gets back to the guy he was, you know, then then they've got a chance to be a pretty good team. Other than that, they're probably in that back half of the East again. You know, trying to you know fight their way into the second round of the playoffs. If the Hawks are the Suns East in terms of the moves that they made, the Pacers are the Spurs East. That's yeah. that's how that's how yeah, I see fair. them. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's go to the Eastern Conference uh, title winner, Eastern yeah. Conference champion, the Miami Heat. Uh, lost a couple of players, lost Jay Crowder, uh, but you know what? They bring in they bring in. How could you be Mo Harkless? And they bring in my guy Avery Bradley. I think Avery Bradley is going to fit. Perfect. As much as it kills me to say it, he's going to fit perfectly in Miami. That's not fair, too, because Avery Bradley was my guy before he was ever your guy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's true. He's our guy now, Keith. He's our guy. And, but perhaps the most important. <laughs> the most important thing, though, they got a new deal for Bam Adebayo. They're going to hang on to him long term. Uh, I mean, look, the the future's looking bright in Miami, and I still think they have the possibility of getting in on a Giannis Antetokounmpo bidding war for next offseason if he doesn't sign that Supermax. Yeah, and that's, you know, what, what is interesting, you know, with, with the Heat here is a lot of people um, are saying, well, Bam signed the extension. That takes them out of the running um, to sign, you know, the Supermax. And that's that's not true. It makes it a little harder um, to, or to sign Giannis, I should say, to, to a Max. Um, contract. It doesn't make it a little harder. Sure, it does. It does make make it a little bit harder to um to do that. But it is not done. It's not one of those things where you know they're out. They just got to make some other moves. You know, it'll be um you know a little bit harder to get there. But if they want Giannis, they'll make that happen. And if you know more importantly, if Giannis wants them, then then that'll that'll get done. So you know, I think you know the Heat um 
you know, they're running it back for the most part. Dragic and Leonard got the big contracts, but team options on the second year. Uh, Bradley got, you know, a nice deal, but a team option for him on the second year. Harkless, only a one-year deal for him. Uh, they Precious Achua, who maybe is the most heat player of all in the draft, dropped to them. You know, just a guy who's going to come in and bust his tail. Um, kind of a perfect fit for them. You know, so, yeah, I like what they did. Um, I think losing Jay Crowder hurts a little bit. I don't know that Bradley is a perfect replacement for him. If Bradley starts um, there, I think that probably signals more. They might be looking at Tyler Hero moving into the starting five um, with, with that group, which would make a lot of sense for the way um, he played coming coming out of the bubble. But but we'll see because then that leaves them a little bit small. So I'm not entirely sure. But they've got a lot of different ways that Eric Spolster could put that together. It'll probably change it kind of night to night too because they do that a little bit more than most teams. But yeah, I think the Heat are going to be very good again. And I think they left themselves that flexibility, despite being a little bit harder, to make a run at Giannis or whoever in free agency next summer. Some people in our chat are asking, are the Miami Heat now, because they made the finals, the team to beat in the Eastern Conference? Do you look at them as the top dog? Yeah, I think um, they probably you probably have to put them there. I think because I, I think Boston, there's just a lot of question marks. I'm not quite ready to put Brooklyn in that stratosphere just mm-hmm. yet. I think I think the Bucks. Yeah. You know, let's see. It's the you Bucks know, what they me. do. Um, definitely in the regular season, it's the Bucks. Mm-hmm. But you know, they they got to prove some stuff in the playoffs to you know to to really kind of kind of get there. But I think the Bucks regular season are still the East best team. Agreed. Agreed there, even if they, they weren't at their best in the playoffs. Uh, let, let's just go and jump to Milwaukee. So the Bucs, they bring yeah. in a move that I really like. They brought in DJ Augustine, who I believe is an underrated point guard. Solid fit there. They get Bryn Forbes from the Spurs. Um, they get Drew Holiday. Of course, that's the big move. The huge trade that they swung did not get Bogdanovich because we talked all about how that got blown up when we went over the Sacramento Kings. But they lose Bledsoe, lose George Hill, who George Hill was incredible shooting the basketball for them last season. So that yeah. is... That is a loss. Uh, Robin Lopez, that was weird the way that all went down and losing Wesley Matthews as well. But still, they've got Giannis. They've got uh, they've got the MVP. I mean, they should be yeah. a great team next season. But do you think this team is better now than they were last season, given the moves that they've made? Uh, I think they're different um, for sure. I, I think um, Holiday gives them a little bit different look. I do. I think the way I put it is, I think they're better in the backcourt because mm-hmm. I think Holiday and Augustine and Forbes combined are better than the guys they lost. I think they're worse in the front court. I, I think that's the that's their kind of trouble spot. Giannis and Lopez up front, really, really good. Um, but losing Brooke Lopez, Ursan Ilyasova is a big loss for them too. He, he was good for them for a number of years as a guy could come in and out. And then Marvin Williams is going to retire. He's not going to play again. So, so I think I think they're worse up front than they were a year ago. I that that's Bobby Portis. There's a lot of pressure on him to be a lot better than he's ever been in his career. So I'm not entirely sure. I love that, um, you know, downgrade from Lopez and Ilyasova to Portis. So that kind of makes me wonder, is there another move coming? Um, sneaky Tory Craig, I think yes. would be good for them as a, as a wing stopper. They, they didn't really kind of have that guy. That was Wesley Matthews uh, for the most part for them. I think Craig can really help there. And I think Bryn Forbes will help. He's kind of the Kyle Korver replacement as the designated shooter on the roster. So, yeah, I like what they did. I just I think they're kind of the same. I don't know that they're actually better. What happened with Robin Lopez, him opting out? Was that because he didn't want to be put into the Drew Holiday trade? Or what? I mean, it was it was odd that he opted so. out and then took basically the same deal. 
Yeah, well, he got a little bit more money. I mean, a little bit. About five million or so, and he got seven point three out of Washington. Okay, but yeah, I, I think. I yeah, I think I think that was more of a. I think he wants to play a bigger role. I think mm-hmm. he you know, did the year with his brother. Um, those two have a relationship that is uh, doesn't depend on them playing together on the same team. Um, much uh, you know, like the Morris twins have kind of become. Right. Um, you know, they, they don't need to play together anymore. But yeah, I think um, I think it was just a bigger role and a bigger chance to to play somewhere else. I, I think you know they were certainly hoping to get him back and then resign him and bring him right. back. But you know now now it had to you know go go a different direction and that that's worrisome for me because it's again it's Bobby Portis is our only backup big of note on this team. It's him and DJ Wilson. And that's DJ Wilson. That's not good. That's not where you want to be. So I think they got to have another move in them somewhere. I just don't know where it is because they're right up against the hard cap. That's going to be the hard part for them. So let's talk about the Knicks, who, yeah. to our pleasant surprise, did not do Knicksy <laughs> things. They they were yeah. pretty smart about the. I'm almost hoping that they don't trade for Russell Westbrook because that is such I, a Knicks move, yeah, very and it would fly in the face of everything <laughs> that they that they did this offseason. I like a lot of what they did. They picked up draft picks. They they were patient. They they built solid pieces for the future that they've got in in terms of assets. They tried to rebuild their asset base. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I can go down the list and say, oh, they added this guy and he's great and this guy's great and da 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 da. They just added some solid pieces, didn't do anything that's going to hurt themselves long term. They stayed out of their own way and actually made some smart trades that picked up future draft picks. I like didn't it. Didn't add long term money. Exactly. Right? Didn't add, you know, crazy long term money. Yeah, I don't love Obi Toppin. Um, you know, as the draft pick, but I like him. I, I think he fits. But, I think he'll be okay. But marketing um, wise, did you see what they did there? They, yeah, they gave him really number cool. one, so now he's Obi One. Yeah. Like, come on, yeah, you're going to sell so smart. many Plus, shirts. And, he, and he's and he's a Brooklyn kid, so I get it. You know, he's a kid who grew up in in the city, so you know, I'm there on that part of it. I love Emmanuel quickly. You know, that's a guy I loved in the draft. I thought he's going to be really, really good um, for them. And then what I like what they did with their veteran additions and uh, Alec Burks, Austin Rivers, and Nerlens Noel. Those are guys who can come in and they're going to push the kids. But the kids aren't going to feel like these guys have to play over me. Um, the coach isn't going to have to play them. You know, Nerlens Noel can push Mitchell Robinson every day in practice, but doesn't need to play over Mitchell Robinson. Uh, Rivers and Burks can push R.J. Barrett, but they're not going to play over R.J. Barrett. So I think that is, you know, really important for the Knicks, whereas the last couple of seasons, they had all these vets, you know, when they had Marcus Morris and Julius Randle, and they had all these other guys that they had picked up. All those guys were going to play, and they wanted to play. Now you're in a little bit of a different position here where you've got, um, you know, these guys who are, they're more complimentary pieces. And again, you know, no long-term money. The only guy who got more than a one-year deal is Austin Rivers. And his last two years are mostly non-guaranteed, if not fully non-guaranteed. So that's, you know, very easily, you know, they can move on from that. So, yeah, I, I think I think the Knicks are, you know, um, as shocking as it is, you know, super patient and made kind of the right moves here. And I think that's going to be really, really important for them moving forward is that this is a new leaf for the front office let's not go you know absolutely nuts now moving it forward with making all sorts of crazy moves which is smart and for if i'm a knicks fan i'm i would be excited about the future saying hey look my front office isn't doing dumb things anymore and so i think that this is a good sign moving forward for them keith i've got somebody in the chat saying nice show but you guys are going too long today this is our marathon show everybody (laughs) this is the longest show i've ever done officially we're at the over over the two hour mark we have four teams left. We're almost done. Let's push yeah. through, Keith. We're going to we're going <laughs> yeah. to your hometown team. Finish them out. The Orlando yeah. Magic. Um, 
not a ton of moves, but nope. I mean, I, like I, I like that they didn't they didn't do anything crazy in terms of yeah. of getting a poor return on Aaron Gordon, which is what we were hearing out there as far as the the trades that might have been possible. I didn't like some of the returns for them there. They they were able to to bring in a few pieces. But for the most part, they're going to remain patient. Uh, Jonathan Isaac, unfortunately, dealing with that injury, that, I mean, that limits their upside a bit. But, you know, Orlando didn't do anything to hurt themselves here either. No, yeah, it was it was moves around the edges for them. It's uh, Isaac is out for the year. They're going to get Alfaruk Aminu back. That'll help some um, there. And then they've got their uh, high column, the bonus first-round pick in Chumo Okeke, mm-hmm. um, who they drafted in the first round last year but did not sign. He is now fully healthy, um, recovered from a torn ACL, suffered in college. He, he will be back. And then Cole Anthony comes in as uh, he's a guy who a lot of people talked as, you know, one of the best players in this draft class coming in. And now, um, you know, he... He is. Uh, he fell after he didn't have a great year at North Carolina and fought some injuries. Um, he fell to the Magic in the middle of the first round, and now, now they get him. Retained Mar- Michael Carter Williams, who you know a lot, a lot of people don't watch the Magic a lot, but Michael Carter Williams has really kind of figured out what his role in the NBA should be. Is he's playing with, yeah, wing stopper, secondary playmaker. That's that's what he's going to do. He's doing doing that now. Uh, Gary Clark, you know, good good uh, run for the Magic in the bubble. And then James Ennis, they they brought him back as well. And Ennis was you know pretty good uh, deal starter for them as a guy who who was really kind of their designated shooter in their starting group. And then other than that, it's the same team. So the Magic, they're going to kind of run it back. They're going to be you know, in the mix for somewhere between seven and 10 in the East, they'll probably be in the play in uh, group and they'll, they, you know, we'll see if they make it to the playoffs again. But I think this is the last run for this group. If this group can't push out of that, if they can't start getting to four, five, six, then you're going to mm-hmm. see the magic really say, all right, we got to make some changes here. And then the other thing we're keeping an eye on is rookie scale extensions for Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac, both um, are, are due to, you know, get their new extension contracts they were part of that tatum mitchell at a bio uh draft class um you know isaac's really hard now because he's not going to play this whole season right. so you're you're hopeful i think if you're the magic you know, maybe you can even kind of in a weird twisted way use that to your benefit to get him on a team-friendly contract because he hasn't stayed healthy in his first three years at all in the nba so that that's tough you know he's one of my absolute most favorite players in the league because i think he's just that good it's just, you know, tough to ultimately see, you know, what they're going to do with him moving forward. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be, it could work out like the Steph Curry thing where he kept getting injured. The Warriors got him on a great contract and then he blew up and became a, a superstar and you've got him on this this contract that is well below the value that he provides and they were able to use that to help build out their team. So that's the ideal scenario if you do an extension with uh, with Jonathan Isaac. Um, but again, that's that doesn't happen all the time. Obviously, that's pretty rare. Um, all right, yep. let's the landing spot of two former Lakers, Danny Green and Dwight Howard, now joining the Philadelphia <laughs> 76ers, who have been quickly remade by Daryl Morey. Wow, Doc Rivers coaching this team. They add Seth Curry. You you pick up Dwight. You pick up Danny Green. Uh, they pick up Tyrese Maxey in the draft. You lose guys like Al Horford, which we talked about how bad that contract was last offseason, and they're able to get rid of that one. A lot of moves here overall. I don't know if they're better talent-wise, but I think the Sixers at least fit better on paper now. Yeah. 
that's the important part. Yeah, this is now a roster that makes sense. Um, you know, Doyle and Mead and Ben Simmons, you want to maximize your guys around them. And I think Daryl Morey gave Doc Rivers a chance to have players who can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, they can play lineups that you know, now really work. Uh, Danny Green and Seth Curry, I think, will be on the floor a lot with Simmons and Embiid and you know, maybe Tobias Harris, you know, maybe it's somebody else. But they'll be out there a lot with those guys to create that floor spacing and give them that room to work. I know people got a little down on Danny Green because he had some struggles in the playoffs, but he, he's been you know, good for a very long time. Let's not write him off yet. And Curry is one of the best shooters in the game. So, yeah, they, they are really set up well there. They added, um, you know, with Dwight and then picking up Tony Bradley, who played pretty good behind Rudy Gobert this season. Um, that gives them the ability on those nights when Joel Embiid sits you can still get 48 quality center minutes out of those two guys um, with Dwight and Bradley behind him. So yeah, it, it's, um you know, a group where Doc's got some tinkering to do to figure out mm-hmm. the right kind of lineups and, and figure out the best way to play them and, and move this thing forward. And then I think Tyrese Maxey, what a steal for them in the draft. I think that kid, you know, you show me a Kentucky guard. I'm just going to assume he's going to be good <laughs> in the NBA. So this kid, you know, he comes in and he'll be kind of their, their turbocharged guy coming off the bench to, to do a lot of things for them. You know, so yeah, Philadelphia, you know, and then another team, they might have another move or two in them using that Mike Scott contract. Um, maybe Terrence Ferguson's deal. Once they get him in and, and he can be aggregated, aggregated together, they might have one more move in them to get another player who fits really well. I'll tell you what, the, the Sixers, you've got to have shooting around, uh, around Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. They got that. They got one of yep. the best shooters in the NBA in Seth Curry. So I like that fit there. Danny Green, I think he's a better shooter than people give him credit for. Wouldn't surprise me if he jumps back up to, say, a 40% three-point shooter next season, which, you know, might might hit Lakers fans a little bit hard there. But um, but Danny Green, <laughs> yeah. he's still, still very, very solid defensively. He's a long, lanky player. Dwight Howard gives him that physicality. Will he be on his best behavior like he was on a team that was being run by LeBron James? We'll have to wait and see on that one. But Dwight gives them that physical presence behind Joel Embiid. So you got to like that. And again, just, you know, Daryl Morey doing Daryl Morey things, coming in, shaking things up, moving pieces around and finding a team that at least on paper now fits a lot better. And if they can, you know, hit the ground running, if they, if the offense gets opened up now because they have more floor spacing, you're going to get more out of Ben Simmons. You're going to get more out of Joel Embiid. And that could push the Sixers team into being the team we thought they were going to be last season in terms of being an actual dangerous threat in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and it's funny because people already went to and started saying, you know, oh, they traded out Horford. That they are going to, you know, uh, Daryl Morey's rebuilding a no. small ball team again. No, he's not. He's just building a roster that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That That's all this is. This is about building a roster that makes sense, giving Doc Rivers the right kind of guys um, there. And that, that's, um, you know, the, the best thing to do. So, yeah, I, th- I think this team is they're, – they're, if they don't get it done now, this year with this grouping, then you really got to start to look at, you know, do Simmons and Embiid work together long-term? And is that, you know, finally time to make a move there? Um, But this is the best chance they've ever had, you know, with this group now. All right. So moving up north, but actually south to to the, to the, moving to the, the Toronto (laughs) slash Tampa Raptors. Raptors. yeah, they're going to play in Tampa. Another team right down the road from That's me. right. That's right. <laughs> it's making it more convenient for you. Uh, so the Raptors, yeah. they they do lose Marcus All, They lose Serge Ibaka. And obviously, you know, losing those pieces stings for them. But the important thing for them was they, they bring back Fred Van Vliet. The Raptors are, they know they're not going to be a contending team next season. But they're setting themselves up to potentially make some moves 
who pushed themselves back towards contention right after that. You do bring in Aaron Baines to shore up the middle. Um, they they draft Malachi Flynn, who had a lot of people who were were very, very high on him. And other than that, they they keep their pieces. They bring back uh, Fred Van Vliet. That's the, the real big one for them. They've still got Kyle Lowry, which means they are going to have a chance every single night because that's the way Kyle Lowry plays basketball. Uh, I, I like what the Raptors did. Again, bummer to lose Serge Ibaka and Marc Gasol, but I think they're going to be just fine moving forward. Yeah, I think they take that little step back that we all mm. thought might have been coming last year. I think that does maybe happen this year. Um, they're going to be relying a lot on Chris Boucher yes. up front, who they re-signed as well to to play. Um, uh, you know, probably a lot of backup for for them right now. The way the roster is built out behind Pascal Siakam, uh, they've got to figure out what they want to do with OG Ananobi. They're going to let him go into restricted free agency next year because they won't want to put money on the cap beyond what his cap hold is going to be. Um, Fred Van Vliet's contract, interesting structure, dips in the second year um, to give them that kind of max flexibility as they, they'll be in the mix. Um, you know, I've said this time and time again, you do not want to go in trying to keep a free agent when you got to kind of re-recruit him against Masai Ujiri. That's, it's not a winning proposition. You're probably going to lose um, if that's what, what you got to do. And then for this particular coming season, I like Aaron Baines more than Mark Gasol. Mm-hmm. At this point, for for this team, well, I think Baines is a little more mobile. Yeah, and, he, and exactly, and I think that's part of it too. Um, you know, he can, he can shoot just as well from the outside as Gasol can. He's a little more mobile. He's not the passer Gasol is. Um, you know, which is weird. I like Gasol better for the Lakers because I think he's going to have to just you know play defense, rebound, and throw out mm-hmm. passes, and then occasionally hit the you know trailing three um, for them. But for this Raptors team, with where they're kind of transitioning to, I like Baines uh, better there. But the Ibaka loss, that's the big one. You know, that, that's that's what's going to stay. Uh, Malachi Flynn kind of gets to do a couple-year apprenticeship under Lowry and Van Vliet as he figures out, you know, what he's going to be as an NBA player. And then DeAndre Bembry was kind of added as this year's, you know, flyer du jour. Um, they, they, you know, Masai always has a couple of those guys, Patrick McCaw, mm-hmm. uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Stanley Johnson in the past. And now this year's is going to be Bembry. Um, just, you know, it's it's uh, only going to be one year guaranteed money on the books for Bembry. So, so we'll see. But, yeah, it's, um you know, it's... It's a group that I think they finally take a little bit of a step back, but it might be a very temporary one year step back. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. All right. This is it there. The final team. Let's do it. We could just call it right here. Right. Do we even (laughs) No, we're not (laughs) going to, we're not going to do the wizards. The wizards of Washington. You know what? The big thing for them, they wanted to bring back Davis Bertans. I mean, they even shut him down towards the end of the season, wanting to make sure he stayed healthy. Uh, heading into free agency. So they bring him back. That was a big move for them. You also bring in a veteran big and Robin Lopez can help show the young guys how to, how to play. Word is that John Wall wants out. So maybe they have that coming on the horizon to deal with. Might be a difficult contract to trade unless maybe you're flipping it for a Russell Westbrook or something like that. Uh, they lost a few pieces, pieces, but in general, the Wizards, it just kind of feels like, okay, Another step forward building. Hope that your young guys can hit. Rui Hachimura, uh, can he hit another level? You picked up, uh, I'm not even going to say the name correctly. Denny, <laughs> Denny Abdiha. Abdiha, yes, in the, in the draft. It's one where I, I pronounce it differently every time I say it. <laughs> and so sometimes yeah. I'm right, sometimes I'm not. Just call him Denny. Denny, that's easy yeah. enough. Yeah. But, um, but so they pick him up, and a lot of people were very, very high on him. So 
once they clear out some of these contracts, the future could look very bright in Washington. They do seem to be set on keeping Bradley Beal. I know every other team in the NBA is wondering when Washington is going to move him. Right now, it feels like they are going to hang on to him, and they're just going to move forward uh, building around these young players. Yeah, you know what's interesting with um with the these uh, with these guys is you know uh, Tommy Shepard, their GM, immediately shut down the uh, John Wall uh, stuff, mm-hmm. and then John Wall kind of shut it down a little bit himself. He gave the no comment, but it was more of no comment. My GM already talked about this, right. so there is a little bit of kind of going back and forth of you know is this guy um you know. Uh, does he want to be here or not? I tend to believe he more wants to be there than not. I think Bradley Beal has, you know, very much committed to uh, to to this team um, and has never given any signs that he wants to be anywhere but with Washington. Um, yeah, and then Davis Bertans got the big deal. You know, a lot of people are like, wow, five years, um, you know, you know, $80 million. You know, that seems crazy. But what I'll tell you with Davis Bertans is that fifth year, has very limited guaranteed money. So if it all kind of goes wrong, it's really then, you know, you, you, you're going to be a little protected mm-hmm. um, on that one. But, you know, Davis Bertans too, he shouldn't be, he should be fine for the duration because all he needs to do is shoot. That's all he really does anyway. Rebounds a little bit, but, you know, just just let him shoot the bar rock mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the, he'll be fine. Um, you know, Hachimura, Troy Brown Jr., you're hoping those guys pop. And I think Robin Lopez is big behind Thomas Bryant. I think that's a huge addition for them to have a defensive-minded big, somebody who can really screen, somebody who can pass some. I think that's big, you know, for him. And he's used to playing that backup role. You think he's the, he's the backup behind Bryant? Yeah, they already said that. Okay. They said Bryant will start. Um, and Lopez came in uh, knowing he was going to be um, the backup. But I think the difference there is he's coming in knowing he's you know a 20-plus uh, minute a night um, backup behind Bryant versus, you know, if he'd stayed with the box, that might have been 10 minutes a night mm-hmm. um, there. So, yeah, I think think that is um, you know, really uh, important kind of going um, forward for those guys is, um, you know, that they, they've they now got good balance. And, and FD is a guy a lot of people like to go in the top four or five, mm-hmm. you know, and he's down, you know, to the kind of the middle of the lottery there um, to, to the Wizards. So, yeah, it's, you know, Washington, if everybody's healthy and John Wall's back to what he was, they're another team right in that mix for seven to ten in the east they're going to be be in that playoff mix all right keith i think we did it we did it we are at this is officially by far the longest show i've ever done that is we are just about at two hours and 20 minutes congratulations to anybody who who made it through the entire thing with us um we covered covered the entire nba um so again we've covered a lot here every single team all of their moves all in one place appreciate everybody joining us Keith, woo, that was that was a good one. That was a yeah. good one. I think that was fun. Yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's rare when we get to talk all thirty teams and go in depth like this. But it's only going to be once a year mm-hmm. that we'll do this, right? right? And I think they think we did it. Um, you know, we have a. Uh, I think we talked about it. We would like to. Um, uh, yeah, we're going to get Spencer on to really get deep into the draft. Um, we're really going to talk about all the different uh, draft picks and all these guys, and and we'll talk about some of the. Um, players who went undrafted as well um because because those some of those guys will have roles in play but but yeah I, I hope everybody enjoyed it i hope if you watched the live stream at least part of it if you hung in there for the whole thing you know big up yeah you're a trooper you know, 
you know, you're a trooper, you're a big fan and, you know, we appreciate this. So yeah, you know, thank you for all the support as always of everything we do here for you on the front office show. Yep. Yeah. We definitely appreciate it. And don't, don't forget shoot us a five-star rating over on Apple podcasts. And uh, of course, make sure you go follow us on Twitter at front office show. You can find us there. You can find Keith at Keith Smith NBA and you can find me at Trevor underscore lane. All right, everybody. Have a very, very happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for joining us today. Stay safe. That's right. Stay safe. See ya.